guys welcome and welcome back to the podcast i've been meaning to watch that i am your host monica it's so wonderful to see you guys again new week new topic new guest and this week i have a very special very new guest with us and i'm gonna go ahead and let her introduce herself to you guys thank you so much monica um thank you again for asking me to come my name is ama uh it's like mama without the first m um you can find me on social media platforms under whimsically grown all one word um and the glamazon t-h-e-e-g-l-a-m-a-z-0-n on instagram i am a lifestyle uh content creator uh mostly doing entertainment and um home reviews and recommendations. Um, I'm also a writer. I do fantasy writing as well as poetry. And I'm also working on reviving my blog. So make sure that you guys stay tuned with me. And I'm so excited to get started. Guys, all of her links will be in the description down below. So don't forget to go check her out after the episode. Uh, Thank you again for joining us today. Today, we are going to be talking about two wonderful wonderful shows uh we're going to be discussing yellow jackets and the wild both shows about young women that are put in survival situations both two seasons both two riveting and very intense shows but before we dive into those shows we are going to go into our first segment which is media mania where we talk about new releases and entertainment news and the first thing that I want to talk about is a new movie that's coming out pretty soon that has had a lot of mixed reactions to the trailer and most of them are negative but I'm someone who likes to have a positive outlook on life and that movie is going to be Madam Web. It is the next film out of Sony. I believe it's in the series of like all the Spider-Man villains are all kind of getting their own movie. So of course there was like Venom and then there's Kraven which is coming out later this year and now Madam Web which is helmed by Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney is also in this film as well. And a lot of people have been remarking about like the trailer, those are the graphics and now like the costumes. Everything looks you know kind of cheap and not really of like high quality. So I feel like a lot of audiences' reactions are setting this movie up to be a flop at the box office. And me personally, I'm just kind of like, I'm in the spirit of let's see what happens. Let's watch the movie and let's see what we think after that instead of just prejudging it, you know? That's very true. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. The reason I'm excited for it is because I think there were similar kind of lukewarm reviews when it came to Birds of Prey, but I ended up really, really enjoying that. So if this is Marvel's answer to DC's Birds of Prey, where we're seeing kind of a um, mostly female focused cast and mm-hmm. kind of that kind of story, I think it could be interesting. Um, I do kind of understand definitely when it comes to the quality aspect, um, but Not I feel like trailers are always like truly... 50-50. I feel like based on who they wanted to come see it is who they were kind of, you know, aggregating the content around. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I Definitely yet to be seen. I do also understand the hesitation around Dakota Johnson just because, you know, yep. 
<laughs> exactly what your lip just did. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's not that she's bad. It's just that she's not a very memorable leading lady. So it's like, I would say for so me, it's memorable. I would say her acting style, her acting style to me is very muted. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I would feel like, now this this might be a controversial hot take, I but mean, she might be this generation's Kirsten Stewart. Like, maybe. We're, you, you were cast because you look like whatever, and you're just literally giving whatever the script says. Like, you're adding nothing else. I was... I would venture to say that that could be incorrect because Krista Stewart is still like relevant in her own right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but Krista Stewart, listen, I'm just going to say this. She's a good actor. And I say this because I watched the Twilight movies and even though people didn't really like them, listen, I had a good time. I ended up being a Twilight hater when I was younger, but then I watched movies and I was like, you know what? This actually is Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't confuse my critique. Uh-huh. I am a Twilight stan. Yeah. Okay? I was, I was putting the two, the two dots on my neck and had the buttons oh, girl, back in the day because that, that came okay. out during middle school. I was okay. reading the books. Mm. I was definitely here for it. Yeah. But... Were we here for it because we love Bella and she was such an icon and she's a character we still think about? Or is it because she was so bland that we could imagine ourselves in that spot? Well, Bella is like a 16-year-old girl and she's a 16-year-old white girl. So I really didn't expect her to have that much personality. <laughs> it was fine if she was bland for me. And Monica. me personally, me personally, no, I just want to say this. <laughs> Kristen Stewart did the best of what she could and I made it a point <laughs> To watch every other movie she was in after Twilight. Because if there's one thing I know she for sure. She was great in Zombieland. She was she great was. in Zombieland. But what I'm saying is like in your time of like hiatus. What people yeah. know you for. People know Kirsten Stewart for Twilight. Yeah and that is their mistake. Because the internet <laughs> loves to tear women down. They love to tear women down and tear women apart. Yes. After Twilight she's been giving us nothing but bangers. She has. Yes. She has. That is correct. Yes. Because the other movie that she had with uh, Jesse Eisenberg was also really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I'm saying is, I'm not saying that she Dakota Johnson doesn't have the space to become great. Yeah. But I'm saying from what we have thus far, yeah. it could go either way. But mm-hmm. I'm excited just because I think it could be a really cool thing. And I think sometimes we just like you were saying, sometimes we judge it before we actually see it. Yeah. Just like the whole Sonic thing. We are so mad about how Sonic looked and we complained about it and they changed it. And those movies were actually pretty good. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say Dakota Johnson, she was in a movie called um, Suspiria. And I didn't watch that movie because there were articles coming out that when people saw it at like film festivals, they were leaving the theaters throwing up. So I was like, okay, so that's not for me. But people also said that about... Why? Because it was so dark? Because it was dark and it was like weird. I don't know. People said the same thing about your girls like the most poor things. And I watched that movie and it it was weird, but it wasn't that weird. Like, I was kind of like, okay, that wasn't so bad. But I haven't seen Suspiria. And I think if I watched that, I would probably think that she is a good actress. Mm -hmm. You know? But I've seen... Because she's in a different... Yeah. It's a different genre. That's fair. Yeah. I've seen her in other things. And it's just giving Dakota Johnson is here. You know, same with Alice. She's just just Dakota Johnson, yeah. nothing else. 
You no know, other girls. You know Allison Williams, the actress? I'm gonna look her up. She was the, the white girl in eye. Get Out. She was the white girlfriend. Forgettable. Forgettable. I saw her in Megan and I was watching out of Foss movie several times. And I was like, <laughs> I know. I saw that in the movie theater. Yeah. Forgettable. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's not that every right it could have been the writing it could have been the directing it could have been this there could have been a lot of circumstances that contributed to the forgettable nature of the act it's just i also want to say um alison williams was in this movie called the perfection it was on netflix and i only watched it because logan browning was in it and it was that's my girl yes and it was during um the height of like dear white people so I was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, she's Indian white people and she's also in this Netflix movie. That's great. I watched it. One of the craziest movies I've ever seen. And I'm Like stumbled you, upon it. Huh? Like stumbled upon a crazy movie like Gerald's Game. Like you didn't know what you were about to get. I All I knew was that it's about two girls that play the violin and they're like vying for like being the best violin in whatever their university is. Mm. And the movie progressed into something that was violent, scary, and just outright wild. And it's only the kind of movie you can watch on streaming because streaming services are like, y'all can put whatever you want on this platform. It's okay. Do, do what you want. <laughs> and I was watching that movie and I was they like, this do. cannot be allowed. This can't okay. be allowed. Someone got to call the FCC, please. Somebody please. call the FCC. Can, let me ask this question. Because I've been thinking the same thing. There is a movie on Hulu called Fresh. And it is, that is, when you said throw up, when you were talking about the other Dakota Johnson movie, that is the only movie that I've ever had a bodily reaction to. Because it was so bone-chillingly terrifying. Because that is my biggest fear. I actually love Fresh. It was extremely (laughs) well done. It was extremely well done. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely in my top five horror movies of all time. But I do think I should have been warned. Because I thought it was a rom-com. It said horror, but I was like, "Uh, the first 20 minutes, they were in love. After, I was like, I got to start reading these descriptions better. Yeah. But they need a new rating system for streaming services because I totally agree. They just. They need to make the streams. They have to like put these movies in a category or something. Like, don't watch this with your parents category. I don't know. Something like that. Different genre. (laughs) It's only when I put my VPN on the UK that I see ratings on movies or TV shows. I'm like, y'all gotta do this in the US. Please. Please. But they they want us to stumble upon that kind of stuff. That's yeah. a whole. They're trying to lock you in, you know. Yeah. You spend all your and... time scrolling through the choices. Eventually, you pick a movie, and then you regret your choice. Immediately. Yep. Every single time. Mm. <laughs> but I kind of love that. That's why this exists, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why this exists. Yes. So, do you think you're gonna watch Madam Web when it comes out? Um, is it, is it coming out streaming or is it coming out in theater? It's coming out in theaters in February. So I'm not going to go see it in the theater, but I would definitely watch it once it hits streaming services Mm -hmm. for sure. 
I think that there are some movies you have to see in the theater, and there are some movies you can wait till you get home. I agree. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this? Now, this is going to be fun, and I want to see what you think about this. Okay. Um, have you heard the whole controversy about Marvel movies completely destroying, like, movie-going experiences to the point where, like, comedy movies, like, comedy straight-to-the-movie theater movies don't exist because we no longer associate the movies with like a singular experience. Like Marvel has comedy, action, drama, journey, coming of age. It has all of these things put together. Why am I going to pay $20 plus another 24 snacks to go sit in the movie theater and I'm watching, I don't, I'm trying to think of a comedian. (laughs) I'm trying to think, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it like to the point where no, no hard feelings, Jennifer Lawrence's movie that came out, I believe 2022 uh-huh. um, was one of the first like comedy movies that had been in the movie theater and actually got a pretty decent marketing junket because there had been like a slowdown of Marvel movies. So I think okay. that definitely has changed my perception of the movie theater because like, I've always been a big movie goer. Like I was telling you beforehand, like before I moved to Delaware, I was always at the movies, but like I only saw things that I know other people weren't going to see. Like, I don't want to see the big blockbuster hit that's in 4DX that's going to move the seats. I actually want to sit and see something that makes me feel like I'm all alone in the movie theater. You know? I don't know. Okay, to that point, I would say that me personally, I think a lot of people use Marvel as a red herring because Mm. a lot has changed in regards to movies. And a lot of it has to do with the pandemic, which a lot of people don't acknowledge, but that's true. And there's a lot that has changed in regards to audiences and what audiences want to see. And that's influenced by the amount of money people have to spend to go see movies, the amount of time people have because people work more now because they need to, you know, earn more money to be able to pay for bills so they don't really have the time to go see Mm -hmm. movies or the money to go see a movie. And also audiences' taste and preferences has changed. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that we should say that Marvel's the reason why people don't want to see comedy movies when there has been this huge trend, so to speak, of superhero fatigue, so-and-so, mm. and there seems to be a downturn of support in regards to Marvel and DC films. And I mm-hmm. also like to say that, like, comedy movies come out every single year. However they perform, you cannot blame it on one studio. There are a number of factors. Like one movie that came out last year was Joyride. That movie only had three weeks in the theater because that movie came out around the same time as Barbie and Oppenheimer. You have two big movies that have been highly anticipated by audiences and critics alike for months prior to it coming out. And then you have Joyride, which is a really great, very funny film with an all-Asian-American cast, an all-female-led cast, that is something Mm -hmm. that rivals Bridesmaids and Girls Trip. But because you have these two big films coming out around the same time that your film is coming out, maybe 
there are other factors that are in regards to why this film had like a such a short release but it had a short release and a lot of people went to go see it no hard feelings is a jennifer lords film jennifer lords is a top billed actress so of course people are going to go watch it and also bottoms was a comedy movie that came out last year and many people went to go see it and liked it and it was also an indie film and although it didn't perform Mm. as well as hard no hard feelings it was still some film that made a huge mark and it was a film that a lot of people talked about and it had a lot of buzz on the internet as well and i know edaberry and rachel said it have proved themselves to be you know two actresses to watch in the year of mm-hmm. 2023 and bottom solidified that for them so i don't think that we should really blame marvel i really think it is just like there's a whole number of factors. I really don't know what it could be. It could be the fact that a lot of studios have fired their marketing um, people. I also think that's real. And I also think that a lot of movie, a lot of people don't have time to watch movies anymore and they don't have money. So it's easier to just wait until something ends up on streaming rather than seeing it at the theater. That could be a factor. I mean, I feel like there's a number of reasons, but I think that it's easier for people to say, oh, no one wants to see romantic movies anymore because it's Marvel. Because mm-hmm. it's just easier to pin it on one thing when it could be a huge number of reasons. Right. And I don't have, like, all the knowledge of wherewithal to give you all the reasons. But I feel like if people are... They want to see more com- comedic movies in theaters, I mean, take the time because comedy movies come out all the time. Like, Dumb Money was a comedic movie that was coming out near the end of the year. And I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but I think it was pretty good because it had Paul Dano, Shailene Woodley, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan. And it was about the um, GameStop thing with the stock <gasps> on Reddit. Oh, yeah. trying see, but thing see, but that's the thing that's frustrating to me is that like if you don't go looking for it, there's really no way to stumble upon new movies unless you're already in like a channel that that kind of is aware of what's going on when it comes to like new movie releases. Because like Joyride, mm-hmm. I think I saw one commercial about it and when I watched it on stars I watched it literally three days in a row because I was like this is so funny like I couldn't I couldn't even describe the scenes that made me laugh but I think that's like a whole thing too like the marketing piece of it is definitely real yeah yeah I just wanted to know what you thought about that Hmm. I think one thing that I've learned just this month which i honestly refuse to believe but i think i have to like come to terms with it it's like <laughs> general audiences are kind of dumb like mm-hmm. you really have to spoon feed to them what's coming out because people will be like let's go to the movies and the first thing they'll think is like is there a marvel, marvel what is movie that? out and it's like there's not a marvel movie out every single month you can go on AMC and well, look at what movies are available. And also, there are people who didn't know that Mean Girls, Wonka, and The Color Purple were musicals, even though if you just do Wonka a Google, too? like... See, Wonka 2, the, and I haven't... Well, here's my here's my question to you. Yeah. If you're not on... If you're not on apps like YouTube or Twitter that still very much thrive in spaces of ad space and things like that, like, when it comes to like Instagram or like meta, anything meta is totally based on your experience. So like, if you're not actively looking for entertainment and things like that, there's no way to kind of stumble upon like 
trailers anymore. Like, you know, you used to have commercials and things like that. But like, if you have ad free Hulu and you love like just bouncing around between streaming apps, unless it's coming out on that streaming app, there's not really a way to like stumble upon it in the same way that you used to, you know, like mm -hmm. you used to be able to walk down the street and like on the side of a bus, it yeah. says, this, this, this is coming out or this, this, this is coming out. And I definitely think COVID has changed how we even get information. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that if you're going to go watch a movie, you need to dedicate five minutes to learning about what the movie is about. Because I'm sure Wikipedia did hide the fact that the Color Purple musical the Color Purple movie was a musical. I did know. I did know the Color Purple and Mean Girls was a musical. Did not know uh, Willy Wonka was going to be a musical. Yeah. Did not know that. But I was reading an article talking about things that started as movies, then became musicals, and then became movie musicals. But they didn't include uh, Willy Wonka. Well, Wonka is a prequel, and it's a musical. Mm. I don't know why they didn't tell people it's a musical because, like, the opening. Oh. The opening, Timothy is singing. <gasps> Timothy is, is he giving us? He's singing. He's singing. Like, fully. Listen. Do I need to? Okay. Have you seen all three? Have I seen all three what? In the movies? Like, have you seen Mean Girls, The Color Purple, and Wonka? I haven't seen The Color Purple yet. I plan on seeing it, though. Okay, okay, okay. Because yeah, seen... I was going to say, out of the three, which one did you enjoy the most? Like, what was the best musical experience? I think that... Um, I think I'll like the color purple the most just because mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Fantasia and Mean Girls is in the middle because I already like Mean Girls the movie and the musical itself I saw like the the bootleg version which like a lot of people call like slime tutorials because if you look up like if you want to see like a Broadway musical and you want to watch on YouTube you have to look up like slime tutorial on how to succeed in business without really trying like you have to do that um, mm -hmm. the Mean Girls like musical was pretty good but it's an adaptation of the movie so it's like okay yeah this is good it's kind of like the movie but not really and then the movie mm -hmm. is the adaptation of the musical which is an adaptation of the original 2004 film and i like the movie i had fun i feel like the movie is the best representation of how gen z really is and overall like when i went to see it in the theater everyone else in the theater wanted to see the movie which made it a great experience mm -hmm. because nobody in the theater was trying to be a buzzkill and not have fun we were all having fun. So I, I feel like it. that's what elevated my experience is the more, even more. So mm -hmm. I know when the color purple, when I go to see it, I'm going to, I'm going to love it. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, literally the cast is so stacked. I mean, you can't do anything besides love it. But what about Wonka? Like, it's so funny because me and um, my boyfriend were talking about Wonka and mm -hmm. he was like, what are they about to do with this story? Like, when are we going to get a prequel? Ta-da! Yeah, it's, it's very good. I'll have to say, like, some parts of it aren't that great, but I will have to say, like, Timothy is a very good actor. He is. Timothy Chalamet is a good For actor. Sure. And I didn't think he could pull off the whimsy, but I think that because he is such a good actor, he, he kind of got it down. And the director said that, like, some videos of Timothy, like, rapping and dancing when he was, like, in a performing arts school is what made him want to cast him in this role. And his relationship with the young black girl in the movie, I think her name's um, Kala Lane, the actress's name, 
their like connection and their like brother sister relationship in the movie is very sweet you can tell it's like very genuine and i cried twice in that movie because i could tell they very much connected you gotta tell me listen it was actually a very it's actually like it's giving very much like roll doll movies from like the 2000s except (gasps) it feels like a modern but they definitely do have like the roll doll like you know effect of like adults that that are over like overly the top over the top evil over the top terrible and then (laughs) some people that are good and nice and help them out and then like the brother sister relationship between two of the actors is very sweet and i like it a lot I love that. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely gonna look that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of uh, young black actresses that are doing their thing, are you watching Percy Jackson? Mama, did I lose you? Okay, okay, you're back. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I freeze up for you. You freeze up for me because I'm like, wait, what did she say? Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, hello? Um, Are you watching Percy Jackson? Um, Here's the thing. Oh, no. No, let me say my piece. Okay, fine. Let me say my piece. Okay. So when I heard of the show, I was very excited because unlike everybody else, I actually didn't read the Percy Jackson books when I was younger because I was too invested in like the Potterverse to get into Percy Jackson. I did read the first book and I did like it. I just never got around to reading the rest of the books. And I wasn't a fan of the movies really, but I watched them because I loved Logan Lerman. So when the book was announced, when the movie, when the show was announced, I was like, oh, I'm gonna check it out. But the thing is, is that Disney supports the IDF. And as much as I want to watch the Percy Jackson series, I don't want to support Disney. And I can pirate it if I so please. I can, you know, sell the high seas. But I'm gonna sail the high seas, I but it's so much time, girl. I and would also, wait until it all comes out. Then, yeah, that's what I want to do. And also, it's very hard yeah. to pirate certain shows because I it tried is. to do it with Doctor Who, and I had to look through like 17 different links to get through it. And two of the links didn't work because it stopped. The episode stopped working in the middle. So I was like, okay, well, forget it. I'll just wait until like never I don't know. mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wait for it all to come out, but I'm not going to lie. Leah Jeffries. Oh, I know she's killing it because I see her. She's so cute. I the love last her. episode? Bro. Listen, I was like this. TikTok keeps spoiling I it for me. Every single time an episode drops, my whole feed is just excited. talking about it. It's because we're too excited. Like, oh literally, I'm like constantly every day, every single time, every Tuesday, yeah. it comes out. I'm like, my only note is like, why didn't y'all give me all of this at once? But it's because <laughs> I wouldn't have gone back to Disney Plus. That is literally the only reason why I opened that app. Mm. Like, there's nothing else on Disney Disney Plus for me unless I'm feeling nostalgic. I only had Disney Plus for a time because my family wanted it. And I watched a couple things on there. And I think a couple things I did get attached to were, of course, the Marvel shows. And then uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series, became, like, my favorite thing to watch. I'm sorry? Yes. Am I old? Hold on. Let me bring this close to my mouth. Am I old? No. Like, why don't I know these things? Do you know who Olivia Rodrigo is? Yes, I have her She came from that show. She came from that show. 
This is what I get for that little time period where I was off Disney. I was only on Hulu uh-huh. watching adult animation. Uh-huh. That's what I get because I was missing the things. <clears throat> the thing is, is that oh, I remember when Jarvis License dropped and everyone was talking about it. And it was so weird to me because I was like, how does everybody know who this little girl is because I've never heard of her before. I've and yet never she's seen her everywhere. <laughs> like everyone was Literally. anticipating this song. And then I realized High School Musical, the musical of the series, is one of Disney Plus's top shows, like top programs. And I was like, really? Y'all watching that no. show for real? And then I started watching season one and I was like, you know what? This is very cheesy very funny, very lighthearted, and very wholesome, and very much for children. But I like it. I was watching All it. I was like, that I like you know very what? much children. These kids are acting <laughs> down. And I was not really a huge high school musical fan. I was watching the show. I was like, they don't take themselves too seriously with this show. And I enjoy that. Honestly, I was Let's a see. high school musical fan up into the third one. I think that's when I had checked out. But that second one... I actually love all three movies. I can't pick a favorite. I love them all because, like, it's a journey. It's a story. And they told that <laughs> story, okay? A, they did. It's a journey. It is. Mm. It is a full vehicle with wonderful songs that you can forever sing. And it is. It's just wholesome, good, fun. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> the last thing that I just want to touch on really quick is um, recently there was some news out of Max that Issa Rae's comedy musical show, Rap Shit, has been canceled. It will not be going mm. forward with the season three. It was a hit show um, starring, um, I believe, Ada Osman and Chameleon Air. And I haven't had the chance to watch season two quite yet. I will be watching it. I did like season one. I thought it was really fun and a really great show. I feel like it was a good rival to Atlanta when Atlanta was just focusing on what's it like to be a rapper in Atlanta. And Rapture mm-hmm. was a good show on like, what's it like to be a rapper in Miami? Or like, what's it like mm-hmm. to like pursue music in Miami in this day and age? And I like the show. I thought it was really funny, very authentic. Um, I'm sad that it got canceled. And this is after they canceled Our Flag Meets Death. And a friend of mine told me that it looks like HBO Max is canceling a lot of their the original content. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess because they're switching some stuff around. Because they also canceled a show called Julia, which I think is like a cooking show. And then they canceled another show, which I think is a show about Max Magic Johnson. It's like called Big Time. It's about basketball. And that show is actually never very, very popular. Shows. And it looked like it was very expensive to make. So it looks like Max is trying to cancel a lot of their original programming. I think they were just now I'm going to double check this, but I think they were just acquired. I think that's why the name of the app has been changing because I think it's changed like what three times since it was it was HBO, HBO Max, and now it's just Max. Mm -hmm. I think they're like, I think there was a complete wiping of their like their executive board. And Mm -hmm. so I think they're kind of starting over now. Personal I think that rap shit probably will hopefully get picked up by somebody else. Um, somebody was saying they're hoping that it gets acquired by stars, but usually that takes a little bit of time. Um, the other thing I was saying is like, 
I thought that the show. Hmm. Give me a minute. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming because say... I will never, I will never slander my good sis Issa Rae. She is like a guiding light. She is a guiding light. Okay. However, the the one thing I will say is that it's not a show that particularly caught me. I wouldn't necessarily say it's because it was something so outside of the range of insecure because mm. I enjoy things like P Valley, like, yeah. but I just feel like there's a funny um, mix of like that, like uh, Florida South is very different. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know, a narrative block. Like I just, mm. I can't get into the narrative. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying. Um, to your point of whether or not the show will get picked up by stars, I don't think that's likely because Issa has a seven-figure deal with HBO with or yeah with Max. So, um, I mean, this isn't the first show of hers that's got canceled. Uh, Sweet Life LA also got canceled in 2022, and that was a reality show that she did. I was gonna ask. Yeah. If and that was the reality show. But wasn't there two? Wasn't there a reality show and then there was the Greenlight Project? Or was that not on TV? Um, the Greenlight Project, I'm not sure about. I have to double check. I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's still going on. I did hear about it, but honestly, I haven't been checking for it. But I did watch Sweet Life LA. And I will have to say, I'm glad they canceled that show because those people were annoying. Everybody, I'm not glad they... <laughs> Everybody, everybody, oh my god, Monica. Everybody. What? Annoying. What? Oh my gosh. The everybody fact, a problem. The fact that I got through season one is a miracle. Because they were all best friends. They've all been best friends for so long. And yet they had beef every single episode. Like, beef. It was over little things. Like, small things. And it was like genuine arguments. Like, it's not like reality stuff when you see somebody get mad. Because like, oh, your napkin is too close to my napkin. What's your problem? It's like actual <laughs> arguments. Like, you're going to real arguments. And I, I'm not lying. At first, I was kind of like, I mean, I get why y'all are mad at each other. Because one girl was friends with a guy who looked a little bit like Drake, but he's like 5'4". So I was like, mm, girl, I don't know. You're running over him. And she started like a candle company out of nowhere. And I was like, girl, good Do for I you. Do I need to pull this up? Do I need to watch this? Sweet Life LA? Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> yeah, you do. Is there only one season or is two? Two seasons. Listen, and the second season opens up with a banger. It I'm gonna go ahead and pull that up. Listen, season two, when I watched that first episode, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh my gosh, y'all really could have pissed me off now. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Speaking of seasons two, mm. don't beat me now. What's up? Let me cower a little. I finished season one of The Wilds. Yeah. I don't know about season two. I have I have some thoughts. They're not oh, bad thoughts, but oh, I have some questions that I want to know if you thought as well. That's what I want to know. You know what? We can just jump right into it. We can just end Media Mania there and talk about what we came to talk about. <laughs> we're going to be talking about two really great shows. Um, one is pretty popular. I think a lot of people know about it. And another one I think is a little bit underrated, which is why I want to talk about them both together. Cause I feel like they're very similar, but yes, very different at the same time. So one show is Yellow Jackets. A lot of you may know the show. It premiered on Showtime and that's Melanie, Melanie Linsky in the cast. I yes. think so I say her name. And 
Yellow Jackets is a show that's divided into two timelines in 1996 and 2021 and it's about these young girls from New Jersey who are on a soccer team and they're headed to finals and their plane crashes in the middle of the woods and they have to try and survive and the show also has the other timeline when they're older and it's 25 years past the plane crash and it's kind of following their everyday lives and how they're still being affected by what happened and The Wilds is another show we're going to be talking about today it's on Amazon Prime it's about these young girls, um, very diverse set of girls, who are on their way to Hawaii for a female empowerment, you know, like trip, trip, or like summit. conference summit, you know what I mean? And they are on the plane, everything's fine, they're all eating cake, next thing you know, plane failure, all right? It's going down. And they're like flying over the ocean, next thing you know, they wake up in the ocean. And they're all trying to fly, get to shore. They're on a abandoned island, deserted island, and they're all trying to survive with one another. But one thing that we as the audience realize is that in the wilds, these girls were on a simulated plane crash. As in their parents did not pay for them to go to a summit in Hawaii, but their parents paid for them to try to survive in the wilderness on an abandoned island. <clears throat> And since you already start talking about the wild, we could just jump right in and start talking okay. about it because I'm going to be so honest when I say this and I say this with all my heart, Leah, I was so over that character. I was so tired of her. And she's also the main character. I know that she's the person that we follow throughout the show and she's mm -hmm. kind of like the, the vehicle of the, the story really. But she's kind of annoying. Like, all the girls are a little bit annoying, but she is very annoying. She's a different level of annoying because she has that level of persistence mm -hmm. that I can only liken to two other characters. The first is from Netflix's Blood and Water, which is about a young girl who's looking for her sister. She thinks that her sister is um, a rich girl that she's met. It's a South African base, super persistent, like persistent to the point where it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. And the only other character that I've seen at that level of persistence is Hulu's The Other Black Girl. Mm -hmm. The way that she could not fake the funk, <laughs> like she got on the mic and said, all y'all crazy. <laughs> like in the mic, all wow. y'all are crazy. Leah has that same level of unlikable, like persistence that is her character flaw, but it also overshadows anything that makes us endeared to her. Yeah. For sure. I also feel like what is the legal culpability of and how much do the parents actually know about them crashing and being in a simulated like desert island situation? Do you know what I mean? Like how much did they actually know? And like, I felt like they were older than 17, 18 until the whole Thing happened with the um, the author with Leah. I was completely convinced that they were college students. So then, by the time that we find out, oh no, these are high schoolers. I was like, I feel like this is a detail we could have kind of nailed in a little bit more thorough beforehand. You know what I mean? The thing is, is that 
camps like this exist. There are parents that pay to have their Monica. kids get kidnapped in the middle of the night, taken Monica. to the wilderness, and then live out there because those kids act out. Those things exist. So the fact that there is a woman simulating a plane crash so these girls can live on an abandoned island, is that that far from reality? It's just a little bit stretched. Just a little bit. But but this okay. is a kind this isn't that like well all the girls are kind of bad like a lot of them got issues but you know yeah um, this is more of a social experiment rather than like a punishment you know what i mean well that's what <clears throat> i was gonna say well here's i guess my question is yeah. why would somebody like leah why would somebody i get like fatten i get um i even get rachel and nora the mm -hmm. twins i understand kind of to some degree dot and i i get well, for sure shelby yeah but I mean, like, dot had no choice like she doesn't have a guardian anymore she doesn't have anybody else yeah but it just to me felt lazy like i felt like if we would have got a little bit of backstory as to like how these particular girls were chosen outside of the ones that we do see the development in the first season of like how they're connected cool but like it didn't make me want to see the second season by the sec by the end of it i was just kind of like this is this is traumatic like this was a lot <laughs> i was like having a panic attack like i was like shivering yeah because i was just like there's so many stressors there's so much that's going on mm -hmm. and the like casual kind of like nature of gretchen and then finding mm -hmm. out how how Gretchen and Nora actually connect just yeah. made me feel like like there wasn't enough of a motivation for me to feel like Nora would have been like, this is somebody I can trust. This is a good idea. Right. Her son killed your friend. Mm -hmm. Why would you trust her? She's talking about the patriarchy as if she's not a cog in the patriarchy being an enabling mother. Mm -hmm. Why do That's we trust true. her? That's true because after Jeanette dies, that's really when I was like looking at her and I feel like, you know, the show is trying to set um, Gretchen up to be like some kind of like sociopath. Like, oh, so it's a surprise yeah. that her son did that. Was to also, friend. yeah. Yeah. But I just <clears throat> kind of felt like it was empty. Like that was, that empty. was it for me. Like I didn't feel like, and this is me saying that have only watching the first season because I looked it up on wiki. The second okay. season was like the male, it was the, am I wrong? It was the male well, side of the island. Yeah, the second season has, it still follows the girl's journey to an extent, but it does focus a lot on the Adam project mm -hmm. or the Twilight of Adam, I think. Yeah, Twilight of Adam. Yeah. But I felt like for me, I didn't I didn't care enough about the characters to find out what happened to them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't endeared enough to them individually to mm -hmm. care about what happened to them. I cared about them as a collective because I liked how they related to one another. But individually, there wasn't one character that I was like, that's my girl. Like, all of them were kind of like... <laughs> you didn't like any of them? Or Not really. with a lot of them? I, 
I think I connected with I I connected with Fatten. I mm. definitely understood her. I connected with Dot. I definitely understood her. I even feel like Leah to some extent was definitely somebody that I could see myself like projecting out into the world. That's probably who I was to the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean at that age. But after a while, when when they had that like hallucination that they were on the talk show, and Leah's first thing was like. <clears throat> Into that, into that person that wanted to connect with me, you know, I'm still available. I was like, okay, we're we're selling like the teenage naivety of like, I love this guy and it's over, so I'm not over it. But like, girl, you are on a desert island in dire straits, and the first thing you say when you get rescued is I'm worried about this man who obviously is staying away from me for legal reasons? Come on. Like, that's not even, we're not even trying to make these characters likable, which Mm. I usually respect. I usually respect when somebody's writing characters to not be likable. Mm -hmm. But it just, like, the story wasn't fleshed out enough for me to be like, okay, the characters aren't likable, but I gotta know what happened, you know? Mm. I will have to say, if you did watch season two, you probably probably would have the same critiques because a lot of people for season two felt like a lot of the story was split between the guys and the girls and i understand like the twilight of adam was a really good twist at the end of season one to try and get people intrigued on like how well the boys fared on the island and for me I like season one overall. I do understand what you mean when you feel like a lot of the characters don't feel like they're really grounded because a lot of them are kind of written to be cliches in a way. And there doesn't feel like there's anything like really solid about a lot of the characters. Um, I do like the actresses. And I do like some of the writing choices. Yeah. And I think they really did the best of what they had, you know. Agreed. Yeah. And I think with season two, with the guys, um, it's kind of like a disservice, really, because you're introducing new people, new characters, and a whole new plot, really, into the show, when we're not even wrapped up with the first season. Not even a little. And there were a lot of questions that are left unanswered. And because you're you're um, introducing a lot of new characters into the show, there are a lot more questions that need to be answered that aren't properly yeah. answered, if we're being honest. You know? Right. And I feel like that was the thing that made me feel so unsettled, was mm-hmm. like um, Yellow Jackets for me raised my blood pressure yeah. as it ended the first season, mm-hmm. right? Like, the end of the first season, I was like, first of all, I need to understand what's happening in the 90s because is there some sort of magical realism? Mm -hmm. Is this all hunger in the wilderness and the elements, you know, just the stress of being hungry and, you know, being in dire straits. But I feel like the problem with the wilds is that I think they relied a little too heavily on the concept being so cool that they didn't go further past like the initial reading like when you told me about it i was Mm -hmm. like oh yeah great i'm gonna get my (laughs) i'm gonna get my yellow jackets fix you know what i mean but then i started watching it and i was just kind of like why is leah the only one that's curious like that especially with the double phone thing like because jeanette's body was in that grave 
and it was gone. gone. On top of the fact that it looked like it had been completely undisturbed, mm-hmm. like as if somebody had put the dirt back into it. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, plus I felt like the misleading things that they did with the plot, like showing the the scene after Dot's um, episode, showing the scene where she meets with the doctor or whatever, like that kind of gave us like a, a red herring, like we were running into something and, but it's really not, you know, and it's just kind of like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it felt like the fourth season of Lost. Like, do y'all know what's going on here? I do agree with you. I think that the wild shows do this a lot. When you have like the first season of a TV show, you want so badly to have a second season. So you'll introduce so many things to the show and mm-hmm. of course the concept of the show is very interesting and very cool something that really i mean you're right it is a little bit like lost and lord of the flies um mm. and it's a very interesting show nonetheless but i think that they introduce a lot of new things into the show so that people could be like drawn and have a lot of questions and then they'll feel like amazon will feel like pressure to give it a season two you know true yeah I think if it would have been a solid split, like, I think if the main plot was like, oh, we're in these dire straits, we got to figure this out. Plus, you know, everybody in the control room trying to mitigate any issues that pop up, right? Mm -hmm. But like, if we would have split from the main group, like Leah recruited somebody like, I'm not certain and I need help somebody other than Fatten because she literally didn't do I think she moved all of three times mm-hmm. in those 10 episodes like somebody else that sh- would have cared I think it would have made it seem more cohesive like if she would have broke away and been like constantly looking instead of like which i enjoyed the fact that they did a more realistic turn of like this is actually what it looks like to be hungry for five six seven days you're just confused you're out of it you're trying your hardest to keep your mind all together but it's just not Mm -hmm. i didn't like the fact that like after something horrible happened oh my god my girl martha is she's losing it she her stomach is exploding they basically were like yo martha wake up something else is happening and it was like do we even get Martha her meds? Like, mm-hmm. Martha's just okay. She was just on the plane talking to Jeanette. And now she's off the plane because y'all shook her? Like, I just felt like there were a couple of things that were, should have been finished. Like, mm-hmm. go all the way to the end and then bring this new branch. Go all the way here, then bring this new branch. It was just too many branches however Mm -hmm. i did enjoy it and i would have liked personally a little bit more development of like the interpersonal relationships that happened on the island like everybody had fleeting connections which is why i liked the collective friendship of like we're all in this together and we just have to figure this out. So I'm going to be nice to you because you look like you're having a bad day. Like, I love that, but I didn't feel like we developed any of the characters on the island outside of Shelby and her sexuality. Like, Mm -hmm. outside of that, I don't feel like anybody else really got anything. Martha kind of, but like they kind of danced around Martha. And then by the time 
we're starting to kind of develop her as a character. She just kind of dissociates and it's like, yeah. we're left again. Mm -hmm. That's true. Besides Tony and Shelby, um, we don't really see a lot of strong relationships with the girls. I do wish that uh, Nora and Rachel, you know, they got a little bit closer. Um, they did a bit. But um, there could have been more, you know. And there are nine episodes in each season. Each episode is like an hour long. So there's mm -hmm. so much to work with and so much that you can do. And I think that the plot with the, uh, I don't know, director going to like the hospital and getting checked in really diverted a lot of attention and a lot of time that we could have taken to learn a little bit more about the girls because if it's meant to be a social experiment i really don't want to like get into whatever is going on with the director i want to learn about the girls i want to learn about their dynamics i want to learn about what they're doing how they're learning to survive what's going on with them and to the point where you said that lee was the only person who thought it was really weird that Jeanette went missing i also agree with you on that because it reminds me of um Oh my gosh, why did I forget her name? Jackie and Yellow Jackets. When a lot of the girls had suggested that we move away from the plane and try to find shelter. And Jackie didn't want to leave the plane because she doesn't want to leave like any reminder of her past life or like any hope of like being rescued really. And the other girls want to leave the plane because like it's not safe here. They need to find somewhere else to bunk. Like this is just junk. Like if somebody actually does come and find them, find the plane, find the wreckage, find the trash, then they'll come and look for them as well. But they need to find somewhere else to sleep for like their own survival. And Jackie is attached to the plane because of her own personal like needs and wants. And like she doesn't want to accept this reality that it could be a while before they're rescued. And Leah mm -hmm. being worried about, the only person being worried about Jeanette's body being gone is this weird disconnect how some of the girls are just kind of like have moved past like oh it's just an animal you know it's just like some wild animal that took Jeanette's body away but there are no track marks there's no like side of any like kind of digging there are no drag marks for her body and they don't really see any wild animals that come near them you know at all minus yeah. the goat minus the that goat. was it yeah I I totally agree with that. And uh, back to your point about Jackie, I really, really love how you were talking about her not wanting to move out of um, the area of the plane, because I feel like that goes back to what I love about both of these shows is like, who are you um, when you're a woman in society used to being relegated to only existing in these very, very slim liminal spaces of like, I can only be defined as this, or I'm either this or I'm that. I'm sporty or I'm girly. I'm this or I'm that, right? Um, I feel like Jackie's personality, even if that wasn't who she was, she had figured out a way to thrive, not only live and survive, but thrive in normal society in a way that her peers did it, right? Mm -hmm. Like Shauna was messing around with Jeff, but it was because she constantly felt like she was in Jackie's shadow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Thaisa and Van have to hide the fact that they're lesbians because it's the 90s and nobody has any idea what that is. Yeah. Lottie, you know, Lottie has mental health issues and is dealing with that on top of being, you know, 
her father and her relationship being basically defined only by the things he can give her and not the time that he spends with her. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like everybody else has these real life issues, not to mention Misty. We'll just say Misty's name and she's she just checks the box because she she's like the the anti Jackie, right? Mm. Like in society, she's like here, Jackie's here and she's here. She's like yeah. the control. But mm even the ability to be able to kind of shed those layers of the things that you've, you didn't realize were armor you thought were you, you know, I think that's why Jackie couldn't like thrive in the wreckage in yeah. the midst of the wreckage while everybody else found purpose and found, you know, they found a role in the unbeing like having to like survive out the woods because in the wilds, all the girls seem to like adjust for the most part to what was going on. And they all kind of found their own roles, like found what they need to do so that we could all survive. Like even Shelby, who was like a pageant queen, she herself, mm -hmm. you know, picked up the slack and, you know, tried to like be the most positive person <laughs> out of everyone else, which is still helpful in a way. And Jackie, because she has such a high skill in her social like in speaking and being able to like be charming to other people those skills don't matter when you're trying to eat when you're trying to stay warm when you're trying to stay away from like wolves and bears those things don't matter you cannot charm a bear you cannot charm mm -hmm. a pack of wolves you need to be able to run fast you need to be able to hide you need to be smart you need to be able to conserve things and jackie was the only person in yellow jackets who would still try and look cute, you know, to what right. degree we don't really know, but she was so invested in like how she looks and her outward appearance and not really contributing to the group. And even with Shada, she still like was just kind of like do whatever was asked of her. But when mm -hmm. she really like broke down, it was able to help do something that no one else wanted to do. She found mm -hmm. a true purpose and she found a real role, you know, in the ecosystem that these young women had built. And Jackie felt, like kind of out of it she felt like she wasn't really a part of it she did feel like she belonged and this reminds me of another amazon prime show it's called class of seven and it's a show with a mainly australian cast and a little bit of background um the show starts with this woman who goes in the show like the bachelor and the guy rejects her so she goes in on him. She tells him that he sucks. He's terrible. No. And she starts crashing the entire set. And then one of the doves gets free. And one of the doves shits in her open mouth. And that video goes viral. And then no. she decides Enough. to become a recluse. But her like 20 year reunion is coming up. And she doesn't want to go to her 20 year reunion. But then she hears a report on the radio that essentially Armageddon is coming like the sea levels are rising, earthquakes are gonna tear apart the island of Australia, everyone must find cover. So she goes to the reunion just to warn people, and then it turns into the apocalypse. And now all these women that haven't seen each other in 20 years are stuck at their old high school and they have to try Whoa. and survive. And one of the girls who was like the popular girl there, she takes a leadership position and she tells the girls every day, wake up at 5 a.m. We're going to get on our Peloton bikes. We're going to bike. We're going to do our eyebrows. We're going to straighten our hair. We're going to look cute. We're going to have our vegetables. We're going to take our vitamins. We're going to ration, ration, ration. We're going to count our calories. And it was really weird that she had like that strange um, 
you know, like idea or like plan for all the women to follow. And eventually all the women were like, why are we all biking every day? Like we're all trying to survive. And you want us to try and be fab, fit, have a fun time when right. literally Armageddon is happen- happening. That's what Jackie Sorry. reminded me of. Well, now I have this thought. I just had this thought mm-hmm. as we were talking about this. When we think of patriarchy, right, we often think of men. But I think that is, it's true. But it's also unfair, right? Mm-hmm. Because really what patriarchy is doing is it is uplifting masculine traits like domination, power, control, structure, mm-hmm. you know, systems. You know, the majority picks what everybody does, right? But what i think is actually interesting is that what we actually have in patriarchy is when we think of kingdoms when we think of you know even republics we have a singular figure who is just a figurehead that you know kind of is a symbol for all of people but in most matriarchies it's not really about power or control or about having an elevated position it's usually about the collective so Mm -hmm existing in a patriarchy a patriarchal society like we do right when you're the queen bee in a patriarchal society of women right she did her best her job on the soccer field was to keep them from fighting Mm -hmm. it was to keep them everybody level-headed it was to make sure that everybody was focused but when you're in a matriarchal position where you're already understanding that this is about the collective it's not about me this is about the collective. I think that both Yellow Jackets in the Wild show that, which I think Gretchen touches on when she's doing the presentation mm-hmm. um, practice in front of the guy, um, mm-hmm. is that matriarchal societies thrive on caring about the collective, like easily being able to pass on leadership roles based on need and not based on desire for power, right? And I feel like Jackie held on tight to the fact that she was the captain because she thrived in this idea that like everybody needed to be reminded to stay on task. But Mm -hmm. like when everybody's on task, what's my job? You know, where, where do I fit? But you don't fit in a matriarchal society if you're not collective minded, like Mm -hmm. you're not worried about like, even, even the girls in the wild, Mm -hmm. they could have, Tony and Shelby had just had a big blowout, so much so that everybody in the camp had low-key turned on Shelby. But like when she saw that Shelby was getting the brunt of everybody's stuff and they were having a moment and she could connect to her, she realized, oh, let me let go of my stuff. My stuff isn't that important. I'm worried about you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Jackie couldn't get over herself enough to rally. Yeah. yeah yeah you're right um jackie you see in the beginning of the show jackie asks her coach why she's picked as a captain and it's clear when you're like watching the yellow jackets even the coach himself he's not useful because really he's just like a babysitter for the girls when it comes to like being their coach you know, essentially he tells them like where to go, where to kick. And he has Jackie as like his lieutenant so that she can kind of like, you know, be sure that they all stay in line. And Missy's just there to like 
carry around soccer balls. But then when they're out in the wild, he loses his leg, first of all. So he is handicapped. But then he's also like handicapped in a way where his voice doesn't matter. His authority doesn't matter. They have to listen to him in normal society because he is the adult. He is a teacher. But out in the woods, it's really who can provide, who can mm. contribute, who can be a part of the collective, as you say, who can come together and help each other. And since he can't bring in his own strength, he doesn't really have strong leadership presence or strong leadership qualities at all, then... Mm -hmm. They don't really have to listen to him. And he, Literally. after a while, just kind of, like, dissociates and doesn't even, like, pay attention to anything that's really going on with the girls. Like, he spends so much time in his head pretending that he's living in New York with his boyfriend to the point, like, he runs away and decides to live in the bottom of a tree. Correct. And, For quite some time. And you notice in season one and season two of Yellow Jackets that Ben Soon is nowhere. He's not even at the reunion. So mm -hmm. we can just assume that season three is most likely that he is up next on the spigot. I actually think he's still in that tree and he doesn't know they've been rescued. I think he's still in that tree and he doesn't know they've been rescued. That's my theory. That's my theory. I think he's still in that tree and he does not know they have been rescued and he is still out there. I, I think so. I think so, because once I realize that we don't know who's alive anymore, I think season three, we're going to get to know that black girl that had the little rat in her pocket, mm -hmm. but it turned out to be like a skeleton. The rat had been died. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we're going to find out that she's living as well. Hmm. I'm excited about that. But yeah, yeah. Um, the the other thing that I find very interesting is something that you were saying before is how when the coach not only loses his leg <coughs> but loses his power of like this position doesn't actually mean anything yeah this is like authority. we're yeah this is this authority is not real life um i think it does something interesting where it turns our society inside out right because it's no longer about who you know or your age or your position in these ways that we just give respect like we naturally give respect to the elderly we naturally give respect to men by saying if you say a certain way if you say something a certain way you're emasculating him when there's not really um the same for women like there's not you know you're not effeminizing me, you know, nobody says that, but like in this way that we've turned things upside down, I think we've also looked at what is flawed in our society in that we would promote somebody based on who they know or who they're related to, or naturally who they are, them being a man, them being older, them being whatever. It's, like instead of promoting somebody by their actual skill, by what they know, but what they've proven by like, show me, you know what I mean? Like leadership skills now are kind of handed down and then it's like, okay, show me what you can do. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, in necessity situations, I need to see what you can do and then I'll give you the leadership position, you know? Yeah. It reminds me, this is gonna be really random and I don't know if you're gonna- I'm ready. I don't know if you're gonna, re you're gonna understand what I'm referencing here. But background, I'm a huge fan of D&D. &D. And one of the biggest, like, I guess D&D &D institutions, I wouldn't say institutions, but one really big part of D&D &D culture is Dimension 20, 
which was kind of like um, a group that was birthed out of college humor, which has continued on with Dropout, which is a subscription service. And Dementia 20 Mm -hmm. has become this huge production, essentially, that produces a lot of different D&D or, you know, um, TTRPG kind of shows. And Mm -hmm. one of the first ones they did was Fantasy High and um, Brennan Lee Mulligan, he is the dungeon master. And there's like a monologue that one of the PC characters did that kind of went viral and when you were talking about like our society and how like you know it kind of turns our structure inside out with like yellow jackets it automatically it automatically made me think of this thing he said it said laws are threats made by the dominant socioeconomic ethnic group in a given nation it's just the promise of violence that's enacted and the police are basically an occupying army totally that's that's just what it reminded me of i, I mean, was like you know what literally oh my that. god <laughs> no, but literally that, like, yeah. that is very much it because I feel like that is super evident in, like, Shelby's story. Like, mm-hmm. I personally identified with Shelby's story so much just because I understand what it's like to have a difficult relationship with a parent, not necessarily because they hate you or they're bigot or they're horrible, mm-hmm. you know? It's because they're trying to protect you in a world they don't understand, right? right. Like. The world is changing rapidly and it's not necessarily that it's changing it's that we're changing we're Mm -hmm. starting to speak up more and that the power is starting to move into the collective instead of the few and powerful um but what i love so much about shelby's story is like how hard like she had to deprogram her mind to understand it was okay you know what i mean like it's okay for her not only to be who she was, but also to remember her memories as they were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know how sometimes you lie to yourself because you're like, it's just safer that way. Like yeah. out on that island, I think Tony said it the best of the wilds. She said it the best of like, this place makes you face like real demons. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're really, really standing face to face when it's nothing but you time and there's no cover you know, my boyfriend walked in and was like, what's going on with their face? And I'm like, babe, they've been on the beach for 14 days. Like, yeah. they don't even sleep with anything on their faces. Yeah. Like, they're sunburned, like, yeah. chapped, dehydrated. They're everything right now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it makes you realize, like, how deep repression goes. How deep, yeah. like, our societal programming is mm-hmm. of, like, hiding the parts of yourselves that we think we deem unacceptable by the society that's around us. Like even her reaction to them just joking around like sexually about, you know, the clams, the muscles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she immediately was like, (gasps) you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But I don't know why I get it. I understand that. Cause Shelby, she grows up in like a Christian conservative house and she is a beauty pageant queen so image is everything and it's what she's raised on it's what she's held to be very important and you really do see her breakdown when she shaves her head and i think that was the like when she shaves her head when they're on the island and you know you see her shaved head at the facility where the young girls are being held that's what let me know that like okay we're about to be rescued soon this is about to be over they're about to wrap this up so mm-hmm. that's kind of where, you know, the bow begins to break and you realize that something's got to give 
it is not Shelby having a breakdown. It's going to be something else. Because it's got to be something else. Yeah, because they're getting to that point where like the people that are overseeing them and watching them will have no choice but to like pull them out of the situation. And of course, it's different with Yellow Jackets because as you're watching the show Yellow Jackets, I think that the show is operating on you know this very strong belief that like they can go on for a couple seasons. You know they could. Yeah, that's the problem. With the Wilds, they feel like you're on Amazon Prime. There's so many other shows out. You know, someone may not watch the show. You guys could get canceled. So you need to put in as much as you can in the show and drop as many cliffhangers as you can just so you, like, Amazon feels pressure to greenlight you. But because Yellow Jackets is such a strong show and strong writing, and it seems like the creators obviously have some kind of understanding with Showtime that they can have as many seasons as they want. And what else is on Showtime, Monica? What else is on Showtime? Don't ask. They me. are holding it don't, down. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask me. I ain't got it. The, the last thing I watched on Showtime was uh, Z-Way Show and Desus and Miro. Mm. And both of those things are gone. Gone. Yeah, I was about to say. Desus and Miro, gone. Uh, Z-Way, I, I have her book. Just, just, just finish that. It was lovely. Look at the tabs. Oh it was... Gosh lovely shout out to my girl but yeah outside of that they're yeah. like you guys do what you need to do because i ain't got it they're like listen you can go on for as long as you want okay as long as long <laughs> as you feel like it um the other thing that i felt like was really interesting just naturally when it comes to like why I felt connected to, you know, Yellow Jackets or why I felt connected to the wild. You know, I've always been a fantasy girly. I was raised by, you know, Trekkies that are super sci-fi, super like, uh-huh. I want to see the journey. I need there to be 18 aliens that I encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I've always been like a fairy tale, dark fairy tale. Like, give me Kaylin Barron on a Saturday with a cup of tea and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I think what I loved about Yellow Jackets is that, just like you were saying, the naturally expansive nature of the world. Like, not only are we getting these two time periods of we could we could get the entire 19 months. We could get every day of the 19 months just in the 90s, and I would be good with that show, right? But also getting this idea of, like, seeing what that looks like 20 years in the future of, like, that trauma and, like, that trauma bond that you have with the people that you spend time with. Mm-hmm. Something that I thought was really interesting is like the separation that they had naturally after um, being rescued. Like they had all made a promise in Yellow Jackets. They all made a promise like, we ain't going to talk to each other. We ain't really going to fool too much with each other. We're not going to cause too many, you know, we're not going to cause too many ripples in the world because we don't want anybody to ask us any questions. I just, I don't know. There was something about like that just undefined super expansive like it could go on forever that i was just like i live for this because this very well could all be in their heads and i would still literally be down for it there could be something in the woods that's tempting them to be connected to one another or that crash the plane i mean i even thought of that like what if them just flying over that area being in the pre you know the the position that they were whatever it was that was in 
those woods crash the plane for them to get there you know what i mean mm-hmm. all of that is very exciting to me while the wilds very much i got so excited about the concept but something that i found that i think stopped me is that i don't feel like we got enough not only of the girls individually mm-hmm. but like who do they want to be you know what i mean like not only like who is it that i'm trying to be mm-hmm. right like i love seeing rachel turn like starting to see how much her world had changed because she understood what it felt like to be full that she no longer wanted to continue on with her eating disorder mm-hmm. okay you know what i mean but it's just like nora Nora's motivation for all of this is because Rachel told her not to date a guy who is obviously on the spectrum like her. And because of that, he tried to join a frat and something horrible happens to him. And now all of a sudden she wants to dedicate her life to healing her sister. It sounds more like a revenge plot. You Hmm. know what I mean? Like, why would she be so dedicated to her sister's healing? I think it would have been more exciting if I found out that you know, Nora had gotten involved in this to get back at her sister. You know, like, I don't know. Me personally, I feel like Nora being Gretchen's inside woman kind of betrays the sweet, kind Nora that we know. And it makes her a little bit more mysterious, which is always interesting. But I think that something that would make more sense for Nora's characterization is if she had no idea about the social experiment like the other girls. But I think it would make more sense if it was possibly Dot, like you would suggest, or Shelby, who was Gretchen's inside woman. And whenever, and I do think that um, if not Dot being the inside woman, at least Dot agreeing with Leah that there's something fishy going on in this island because Dot already doesn't trust Gretchen and she is Mm -hmm. someone who has the best survival skills so she's able to pick up on BS so she would be in league with Leah on thinking that there's something going on on this island and I feel like Nora would be the person to completely disregard it and act like oh no nothing's wrong everything's okay and I want Nora to almost be so naive that when they get captured and when they get like rescued or whatever and they're being held essentially she's like oh well they're about to release us to our parents so we're gonna be all right they're just assessing us to make sure that we're okay and there's no other ulterior motive like that would make more sense for the characterization that we have understood about nora and the wilds is set in present day they're being Mm -hmm. monitored on this island if they spent as much time walking around on this island as i think they do I feel like at one point or another, they would have stumbled upon a camera. They would have stumbled upon a microphone, something. a wire. Like, there would be something to let them know that, like, there is something going on out here on this island because it's not possible. Like, Yellow Jackets make sense because it's set in the 90s. And they don't really right. have advanced technology to reach out to anyone else. The only way they could have reached out to someone was the freaking box on the plane that was alerting, that was sending out the distress signal that Misty destroyed so that she continued mm-hmm. to be top dog. So she apparently- That was, was crazy. That was crazy. That was a good ass episode. That was that crazy. It was crazy. Yes, Ooh. that was crazy. It makes that sense- That was classic. It makes sense for Yellow Jackets because there is a true sense of fear. 
there well, really is a feeling of like they could there's something wrong could happen out here and in the wild it's just kind of like well i feel like at one point or another they could have figured out what was going on or unfolded the plot you know what i mean i just felt like somebody else should have cared to figure out what was going on yeah you know what i mean or there should have been more opportunities for them like martha saw a whole man she mm-hmm. saw a whole man but because they just so happened to be drunk and on edibles nobody believes her like I just, I don't know. I felt like either there were too many, I I don't know, this often happens. Either there were too many main characters where everybody was trying to get developed. No, because Orange is the New Black did that. And I didn't feel like that until like season three when I was like, oh, this is probably enough. But like, I don't know. For me, I really enjoyed the wild, but I wish they would have questioned more mm-hmm. you know even even the idea that like their parents signed a permission slip like to what end i will say they do question it more in season two but that's more because they have to because yeah. they're stuck in the facility and also the guys i think are very interesting because some of the guys are very similar to the girls and i remember watching season two and thinking like there's no way you can up this and they do but they do it in a way where it's a little bit disturbing. I'm not gonna lie, because for the girls, you want to be, sh- you want to see like, can women survive on their own? Do men always have to be the leaders? Because men were seen as like the hunter gatherers or whatever in like primal society. And you see, with the guys, um, their experiment did go on for shorter. But the reason, be- the reason why their experiment was shorter was because Gretchen's inside man, his name is Seth he made things unsafe to the point that they had to end the experiment because he was seen as this charming guy he was seen as this nice guy he had glasses curly brown hair you know like super sweet disposition and everything but he is not that nice of a guy and there is another there are like i think eight guys on there and there is one dude who's like blonde surfer boy frat guy and i think the blonde guy is gretchen's son i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. and seth we find out assaulted one of the guys on the island i think like the first or second night and previously to being on the island he basically stole his girlfriend's cat because she tried to break up with him and then he attacked her as well so he's someone who likes to play like he's nice but he's not that nice. And Gretchen wanted to chalk it up to Seth's mother abandoning him at a young age. But you can't blame it on the mom because you are present in your son's life and he hazes people. <laughs> so what's that about Gretchen? I was about to say, Gretchen, Gretchen's got her stuff because she knows how to manipulate and do all these things. But for me... What I enjoy about this is that um, this is going to be a bit controversial. Sorry, this is a hot take because I feel the same way about Barbie and I feel like Greta um, Greta Gerwig. I finally watched it. I enjoyed it very much. Okay. But what I enjoyed about Barbie that I did not enjoy about the wild, Mm -hmm. the wild is that Barbie acknowledged the limited and restrictive way that if white feminism is the moniker for feminism, it excludes a lot of different perspectives. Just mm-hmm. like 
you know, the intersectionality of being not only a marginalized gender, but a marginalized race, a marginalized mm-hmm. sexuality, a marginalized disability. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when only one person is is choosing how we get to, I don't know what, what the backdrop is for this change or what type of change that we need for the world. Mm-hmm. It, it dangers like the goodwill of the other people in the experiment. I feel like the danger with Gretchen is like, she is like the epitome of like white feminism. Like we hate men, men are so gross. Men are the reason that that life sucks. Mm -hmm. But like, don't have any kind of awareness for how you're perpetuating this machine. Like, Mm -hmm. Like you have no kind of accountability for how you're perpetuating this machine. You have no accountability for the fact that Jeanette died the first night. I mean, you they weren't even there an hour. That men are ineffective leaders and women will be better, and yet you are leading this experiment and you see what's going on. And you're doing the same thing. You're, hey. You've put your comfort over the comfort of these young women. You're so focused on proving yourself right. You don't realize that so many things are going wrong under your watch that if you were to fix these things, it would actually prove your point a lot better. Literally. If you, I mean, I feel like even just a little bit of like clarity, mm-hmm. like, or I don't know. Like I understand. Okay. I don't want to ruin the experiment. Yeah. Right. Right. But like, okay, now you've pulled them. They're rescued. Why are they still in an experiment? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why, why are, are we still, still holding, holding these them? girls? Yeah. And oh, it's because we're looking for things um, so that they uh, we won't be culpable um, for any legal action. I think that ship is sailed. Yep. <laughs> I think that ship is sailed. Yep. And that's what I think is so unsettling is that like Gretchen is proving, oh, for the collective, everything's for everybody. Woo, socialism, no bad patriarchy. But like, you're using patriarchal means to do that? You're not really taking care of these girls. Like the fact that Jeanette's suitcase just so happened to have a first aid kit is not enough. And it was an accident. Hmm. It wasn't even the one that they had sent for them with like all the meds and all the things and all the, it's just like, I would be Leah. I, I'm sorry. I would be Leah. I'm asking questions. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that everything we need is right here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I, but yes, the other thing that I very much enjoyed um, about the wilds though, again, is how I talked, about like the collective like mm-hmm. i really really love how like once they got it down to a science and it was like what like day 15 and they were like ain't nobody coming for us we gonna have to figure out how to do this and like everybody gets a day off everybody got like a free day like a mental health day because it's just it's too much to be on that island all day mm-hmm. every day you're constantly doing stuff like yeah. conserving energy like i even thought that was like so helpful and like demonstrating like the power of just embracing the value of femininity like masculinity and femininity totally both of them need to be valued but like the wonder of femininity is like empathy like oh i'm thinking of you and i'm thinking of how this particular thing is going to affect you therefore like i'm gonna make sure you're okay you know what i mean but how is the leader of the experiment completely lacking that it seems very strange because 
it's very clear that she was getting prepared to present this to a couple of buyers. So my thinking is that she is somewhat of like a controversial, you know, school of thought. And she caught the eye of a couple of rich people and they heard her wild idea. They're like, you know, let's go with it. We'll back you, you know, we'll pay for this. We'll cover this for you. And their only stipulation was like, girl, don't get caught. That's it. Don't get in trouble. That's don't all don't bring need. it back to me. No, don't <laughs> bring it back to me. And you can only see one guy who's a backer, but there usually is just one spokesperson. And there's like this like hidden group of rich people. They're like in the background funding this because someone has to be funding this wild ass experiment. And mm-hmm. when it comes down to like, you know, the therapist questioning why she did what she did, you have to ask yourself, why are they okay with this? And there was this theory that I had that one of the therapists, I'm not sure, I don't remember his name exactly, but it's the white guy. Um, mm-hmm. He has a scar on his cheek. And I feel like this, this is the first time she's had this experiment. I feel like this has been done before. And I have a theory that he's possibly from a previous iteration of this experiment. And this has been going on for a little bit longer than people have thought it has been. And now they're trying it out on like, you know, the younger generation, like, you know, or well, it's did just- they ever say, did they ever say why she lost her tenure? Like why they she got voted off the board? They don't, they don't say. Also, That's I feel like that was theory. something that was going to be explored in season three since it's clear that the FBI is after her. You know what I mean? Also, I want to say, I did not appreciate the way she was talking to the black detective and how she was trying to take his daughter away. Because Very disgusting. Girl, first of all, if he is the only adult in her life, what's going to happen to her? What do you think is going to happen? She don't care. That's my problem. That's my problem. It's the same thing with uh sis from Theranos. Theranos that uh <laughs> Amanda mm. Saber a uh, safe Safeville? Yes, played. Mm. Like you're trying to save the world at the cost of the world. I don't understand. Like it's more about your own ego and self-preservation. Yeah, than it is about actually saving the world. Like, mm. just say you want to be famous and you want everybody to know your name, girl. Yeah. That's a lot cleaner than whatever you're talking. Like, if you I don't were know. focused on creating an ethical and smart and you know something that was a safe experiment to carry out, then a lot of things would have gone differently. First of all, she would have pulled Seth. The second she saw what Seth did, she would have pulled him out of there. But that's, that's, I think the danger is Mm -hmm. like, she don't actually believe in the future that she wants to study to project, Mm -hmm. which is like a female future. If you believe in a female future, like, but you're not a girl's girl. Then who is this for? (laughs) If you don't want to put any kind of like kindness or compassion into the consideration of how you lead this experiment, then... I feel like what you're trying to carry out, like you said previously, falls a lot more in line with patriarchal ideals than you think it does. Yeah. But I think that sometimes is the danger. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why I liked Barbie, because by the end of it, she was like, I'm stereotypical Barbie. One of the leadership, more more leadership-oriented Barbies are going to flip this thing upside down. And then everybody was like, "Mm, no, girl. 
uh, you're going to have to be the one on the microphone, but we're going to empower you. Mm -hmm. And she didn't just get up on the microphone and say whatever she thought. She went and asked the people, the all the people that were represented in the weird Barbie's house. You know what I mean? She asked the marginalized people, what do what do you want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even Issa Rae, when um, uh, Will Ferrell finally got there, finally got into Barbie land. Absolutely hilarious. Love Will Ferrell. Yeah. Um, he was like, you know, we're going to bring Barbie Van uh, back to where you guys like it. And Issa Rae was like, mm, no, that's not actually what we're asking for. But thanks so much for asking. We would like it to be this, this, and this. Yeah. Like, don't fill, don't fill in the blank. Ask me what the blank is filled in. You know, that's what I really, I think I really enjoyed about that. But I don't know. The Wilds, I definitely feel like I would have gave it another shot. Um, just because, you know, it was a weak turnover and I told you I've been, I've been reading and I've been, <laughs> no. I wanted to have my notes together. I got you. I got um, you. but I'm definitely going to give it another shot just because I ain't no quitter, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I had high hopes for it for sure. Uh, the other thing I would like to say is that what do you think about Thaisa and her ability? Because I feel like Lottie and Thaisa in Yellow Jackets, Lottie's ability to kind of be a medium and almost channel messages. Like she was the first to say she didn't want to stay in the house. Like she was speaking French. Remember she got possessed like in the very first season, she got possessed and was like banging her head against the um, thing because she just kept calling for blood, calling for blood. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like there is some kind of connection with like Lottie and Thaisa and their spiritual gifts, like, and something about them being around each other. I really think they're the like battery that fuels whatever this entity is because um, something that made me kind of realize like, oh, maybe something actually is happening in the woods was like, when Thaisa, they showed like Thaisa's grandmother passing mm -hmm. away and her yeah. looking into the mirror and then Thaisa seeing something in the mirror as well. Mm -hmm. Like that being some kind of vehicle for whatever thing is happening. And then Lottie being able to kind of like almost pull it into this world. Like Thaisa can hold it in her body, but Lottie can pull it's like what it actually wants into the world like i don't know i think there's some kind of weird connection there that i really want them to explore in like season three yeah i feel like thaisa and lottie are both very interesting characters in yellow jackets um i do know that for yellow jackets i think that i really do love the fact that there isn't a huge explanation as to what is going on and what is this entity if it's the woods or if it's the fact that they were out in the woods for so long that they lost touch with reality that it could be that there is something else going on because Thaisa was on you know very powerful medication uh, treating schizophrenia and it could be possible that all these girls kind of un adopted like you know some kind of like mental unstable like lost some mental stability like you said, mm -hmm. like there was a young black girl who was carrying around the dead mouse 
and she thought mm-hmm. it was like a living rat in her pocket and that kind of hints to you like is there something supernatural going on or have these girls kind of lost the plot a little bit and i have to say um it's possible that there's something else there um i think the scene with taisa's grandmother is the biggest indicator that taisa is connected to something and possibly still is because mm-hmm. we see like her obviously sleepwalking with in van is like kind of going with her and then her son talking about the lady in the tree that he sees mm-hmm. and then her wife finding the altar that's yes. kind of like you know hidden in their mm-hmm. house and Taisa trying not to sleep but it's hard for her um there's this whole like montage where Taisa's like just drinking coffee and she's just like mm-hmm. kind of like going on a bender so to speak and she thought that her son was in the house with her but he wasn't even there he was still at school she just thought mm-hmm. that she had saw him and this is one thing that I love seeing in like movies or TV shows when a character is starting to lose touch with reality or lose their sense of self. You see them in the mirror and you see them like put their head down or move their head, but their mirror image doesn't move along with them. That's what I'm mm-hmm. like. Oof. <laughs> Ooh, Chills. Chills. So yeah, I think that is really interesting your theory because me personally. I just kind of felt like maybe it is that Taisa, like in my head, I'm like, okay, it's possible that Taisa is having some kind of like mental break because she's living in the woods, she's sleepwalking, and she's also dealing with the stress of like her campaign and people asking mm-hmm. her about what happened in the woods and the anniversary of it all coming back. And that could be a huge stress in her life, causing her to sleepwalk, causing her to have hallucinations, causing her to like, you know, act out in this way. And she's probably, they think that's manifesting in the supernatural, um, kind of identity or the supernatural presence and for a lottie of course a lot of times when you bring up like people with schizophrenia or like mental instability and then you bring in like supernatural um that does tie in together a lot with different kind of like tv shows and movies and it does blend the line of like what's real and what's not real because there are plenty of people who will say that like there's nothing beyond this world you know and there are plenty of people who say there is something else lying under the surface there's another world that we do not see there's something else out there you know the afterlife and all those things and i do think that yellow jackets is very interesting because these girls like you said are away from society they're away from the things that are normal because lottie had to take the medication that's so that she could like play soccer go to school hang out with her friends she had Mm -hmm. to take the medication to function like a normal person and without her medication she is experiencing she's kind of like raw dogging through life you know literally yeah like mm-hmm. what her what she did in the car with her parents where she just literally screamed and that truck hit a different car and not her parents that same you know kind of premonitions that mm-hmm. she's tapping into when she's young is coming back in her older age so i think that yep. your theory that um lottie is kind of like a medium a yeah yeah a trigger almost and then taisa is kind of like i don't know i don't i don't know how like almost like uh what is it with vampires when they have the human oh, oh um, familiar familiar she's mm-hmm. almost like the spirit's familiar and she didn't realize yes. that she was connected to the spirit for so long 
Um, mm-hmm. And now that she's like kind of out in the woods and there isn't the distractions of normal life, they're out in nature and they have to just be one with oneself. It's easier for her to get connected. And because they were together there for like 19 months, you said, it's hard yeah. to kind of sever that connection. And with the anniversary coming up, that's going to lead you to have a lot of stress and for sure. that leaves your immune system a little weak and that leaves your body a little bit weak. And then something could tap in again. You know, literally. And I feel like even that, um, something I'm going to touch on for like two seconds, I'm going to come back to. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that when we see characters close to death in both stories, they end up back on that plane. You notice that? Yeah. Like at the end of season two, and then Martha. I thought that was cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But something else that I think is interesting with Taisa is how skeptical that she is and like her reaction to Lottie once Lottie starts to kind of embrace these things happening and mm-hmm. like you know um making them do rituals before they go out mm-hmm. and go can't go hunting and then um how her and Shauna kind of are commiserating together at how everybody is following Lottie like you know the dogs with their tails behind their legs. But then when uh, Shauna has a brush with death with delivering the baby in the wild, um, she has this deep, deep appreciation for Lottie and has like a deeper understanding and appreciation for it. Something else that I think might be going on is like, um, you know, if it's not that one is triggering the other is that they're showing two sides of the spectrum, right? Is like, when you have a spiritual gift and in our society, we treat spiritual gifts as, you know, any manifestation of mental instability on top of already having any amount of mental instability, right? Mm -hmm. Like what happens when you're off your meds and you embrace it versus what happens when you don't embrace it? Like you become a familiar to whatever that entity is instead of becoming like uh, a vessel in between, almost like a translator. It's because Lottie is intentionally, functionally doing this. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like she's functionally like tapping into it while Thaisa refuses to let whatever it is in. So it has to use her when she's not using her body, Mm -hmm. you know? It's also different because Thaisa like saw it and Lottie is kind of like, I don't know, like a middleman, almost. So she doesn't really have, like... She doesn't really know what she's communing with. She just understands that there's something else there, really. And I think that, like, a lot of people just kind of assume, like, oh, it's the woods. They're out in the woods. They're kind of just, like, losing their sense of self. And they're kind of, like, being, you know, triggered by what's going on outside. Or it could be, like, the old man's body that's haunting them. But it's obviously Mm -hmm. something else. Like, no old man's... An old man's body is not going to lead a bear to their house to allow them to kill that bear so they can be fed. That? Thank you for reminding me of that. No. And Lottie saying, we're soon going to be provided for. Yeah. Don't worry. And also the the crows. The crows Ooh, literally just that. dropping. Yes. Listen, I feel like. Crows and omens. Yeah. Listen, this going to happen. Seriously. I also think. In this next season, Shauna's daughter is going to replace 
Natalie. Like, remember how Shauna's daughter put everything together? Nobody told her anything. Mm -hmm. She put it together about what her parents were doing. She's figured out that her, like, things were happening in the woods so much so that Shauna had to tell her what was going on. And then when the hunt happens, who's standing there now? It's the new, it's the old generation and then Shauna's daughter. I think she's going to have to do the ceremony with them next. You think so? I think so. I don't know if there's like a numbered thing, but I feel like... I feel like she'll want to learn more. She'll just like... I think she's now. I feel like because she's already like learned so much about what her mom went through in the woods, she will try and reach out to somebody. And Mm -hmm. all I'm asking is that it's possibly Taisha. I don't know about Lottie or Mitski, if I'm being honest. Like, I feel like Taisha might be I wanted to be be missed just for the drama. (laughs) Just for the drama! She's a murderer. She's a murderer. She's a killer. She is a... She is... She is a mass murderer at this point. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, hmm. when she put the axe to that black box, I said, oh, she's my favorite character. Also, I was thinking about your um, theory with the coach still being in the woods. I kind of feel like, I'm not sure if he is still in the woods. Because I feel like they would have done it like, you know, they would have looked. Like inside of a tree. But inside of a tree, and you already think you're losing your mind. Did you someone wait? Did someone go in the tree with him? Doesn't someone else no. know the tree's there? Somebody else knows the tree's there, but they've been eaten. The only other person that knows the tree's there has been eaten. Oh, you f- I forgot about that. Wait, no, somebody else has to know about the tree. Cause oh. how did he figure out about the tree? Exactly. But I think he, when he went out into the to the woods. He was talking to something. The oh, whole wait. time he checked on the map. Was... The map. He was like, Which "How one? did they have a map of the woods?" Like him and uh, Nat made a map of the woods, and he mm-hmm. was like, "How did Javi survive so long out there?" And he looked at the map, and he found the but tree. They didn't find it, right? He, he... No, no. The person who found it, I think, was Javi. Javi first found the tree. True. Yeah. You're right. Then, it could have been something communing with him that showed him where the tree was. Because he seemed... Because even even when he came back, he only came back because he knew something bad was about to happen and he wanted to save Natalie. Mm-hmm. Which he did. Wasn't he... Didn't he, like, tell Natalie to come with him? Mm-hmm. To, like, hide? Yeah. You don't think he and told Natalie where got... it was? No, because remember, they didn't end up there. They ended up running on the ice, which is how all of that happened. Mm-hmm. Cause they were running, they were already, they were too, they were too close by the time that Javi found Natalie, they were too close. So once they go running, they're on that ice. Remember they're on the lake and then boom, Javi falls through and, mm-hmm. and Natalie's like, save him, save him. And they're like, uh, him or you? Yeah. And she says, I'm gonna mind my business. Now, who I want who I want justice for is Kirsten. She didn't deserve that. She didn't. She was too sweet, too nice. Misky found her little only friend. Misky found her weird little pal and 
fumbled. Which is bad. Why? Because Elijah Wood is like a household name actor. I was surprised when I saw him in the show, but then I was like, you know what? He's a little weirdo. He would be in this show. But Christina Ricci, Juliet Lewis. Ricci. Listen, this cast is good. It's good. But that's also why I see um, uh, Elijah Wood's character and Christina Ricci's character. It reminds me of Joe in Love. Absolutely. So... That was a little bit too good. That was a little bit too good. Speaking of Joe. Speaking of Joe. What? Have you seen Saltburn? No, the silence was everything. No, the silence was everything. No, when get I... in the camera. Get in the camera. Say <laughs> how you love that man. Tell what? a lie. You love him? Love who? Oh, okay, good. Keep going. Okay. Did you love him? I've actually seen Saltburn three times. Because so the okay. first time was not enough. I actually watched it the first time and I was like, this is the most... This is like... I, I wanted to fight Emerald Fettel. And I wanted to fight her. Because Correct. I was just kind of like, what is wrong with you? You white woman. Why are there so many emotions happening in my body? What is going the on? The bathtub scene? What's going on? I thought the bathtub scene was going to be the worst. And it was not. It was not. It, it was, was not the worst. It wasn't. It, was, it just it got worse from there. The vampires. Oh my God. I said, why am I both terrified and in love with this man? I did a whole think piece on why is Hollywood trying to get us to love psychopaths and then mad at us for being in love with psychopaths. I want to say Barry Keoghan, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is about him, but I need, I feel like, I know he's doing this on purpose, but I need him to please be somebody normal in one movie. In one movie! I can't keep watching all your movies Thanks. and you keep doing this. Like, sir, I need rest. His face, Monica, they're not going to cast him as nothing else. His face is unsettling. <laughs> oh like, he's not ugly, but he's no. like the person you look at. He's like Jackie. I would say Jackie in, show, in uh, Yellow Jackets, her face is so, like, interesting. Good. Good. Sorry. She no, always does this every recording. You're you're fine. I'm surprised he didn't come knocking. But um, like Jackie Ella Purnell from Yellow Jackets that plays Jackie, I think her face is so interesting. Like she is Tim Burton's like wet dream. Like she looks like he drew her. You know what I mean? I feel the same thing for my man. That is the perfect explanation. Because when I look at her face, I'm kind of like, she reminds me of almost like a video game character, which made mm -hmm. sense to me why she's in like the new Fallout season. I mean, the new Fallout series is going to be on Amazon. I was like, she fits. She looks like a yeah. character you play in a video game. Correct. Even yeah. like her, like her proportions, everything about her is like, it's like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I just, I believe it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I just, I believe it. Yeah. Also, and as well. Also, um, and as well. Also, and as well. Saltburn, what was my other one that I wanted to ask you if you watched? Hold on, I have my notes. Ignore me, ignore me. <laughs> I'm going to eat really quick and say, like, Saltburn, I already said this on TikTok. 
is such an interesting movie. It's a strange movie. Of course, it's fun to watch people's reactions to how unhinged this film is. But me personally, I feel like the movie didn't really have like a strong message or a meaning behind it. So anytime anyone talks about this movie critically, I don't take you seriously because I can't because it wasn't it was it wasn't about anything. No, it wasn't. Like it was, it was Oliver is a moth. That's it. He likes shiny it. things. That was it. He didn't have any other ortilier motives. Like I understood it was very clear. When they went to that man's house, parents' house, on his birthday, mm-hmm. I said, oh, he's a genius. He's a genius. I when, never thought this. When he was talking to his parents and the dad was like, never reacting, I'm like, oh, he's done this before. Oh, oh many times. Oh, he's a scammer. Oh, many, many times. Okay. Many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Catch Me If You Can comes to mind um, with Leonardo DiCaprio, who yeah. is like, a pilot, a surgeon, up, man, if there was a time, if I lived in a time, that the Lord knew what he was doing when he put me in this time. Because I would be a menace. A menace. Public enemy, I could just cross state lines and I can get away with this bag that I just stole? Sign me up. Y'all gonna have to catch me. What? I'm going from state to state being a menace. Town to town. You don't even have to go state to state. Town to town. I will say, um, I don't, listen, this is going to be a strange, like, segue, but there are still a number of serial serial killers that have not been caught by the police, so I feel like trying to be a menace is not that outside of reality, we just think it is because of technology, but let me tell you something, babe, it works both ways. But I don't think I have the, like, follow-through. There's too many cool distractions in this time that oh. I'm like, I'm not giving this up. I'm Why? not giving up the comforts. Why is of, that me? Of... Why is I'm that me? I'm not doing that. When I could be playing my Nintendo Switch in a, a, a heated room with, with working lights, please. No, no. I'm not going to be living like that. But when everybody, not everybody has electricity and some people have moving water, I'm doing what I want. I'm an outlaw. Hmm. What? For sure. But yeah, Saltburn was definitely a good one. It was crazy. Fresh. Now I know what you like. You, you're dark and twisted like me. You like Crimson Peak, don't you? I've never seen that show. <gasps> it's a movie. It's so crazy. Okay. It's gothic. People keep recommending Crimson Peak to me and Twin Peaks. And I'm telling y'all like... I don't know that one. Twin Peaks. It's a TV oh show. I don't know if it's a, like a true crime show or if it's like supernatural, like X Files. That's also something that gets recommended to me a lot. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a look this up. Oh, it's a little soap opera horror tropes. I like that. Yeah, I like stuff like that. Personally, I just, uh, I like being a little nervous. I feel like you'll like Crimson Peak because if you like Fresh and you like Saltburn, you like things that make you feel unsettled. Is bo- Crimson Peak um, Guillermo del Toro? Is that it? That's the one with Tom Hiddleston and yeah. Jessica Chastain's in that movie too, right? Yes. Okay. And my yeah. and the reason I thought of it is because my girl from um, Mia... My girl from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. We were talking about Tim Burton and that was like mm-hmm. in the back of my head. But yeah, you'll like that a little bit. I've seen the knife 
scene. Like the fight scene with the knife. I've seen that. That's so, not that with you. That I, so I know what movie you're talking about. Yes. Was that the other movie you asked me if I would watch? Crimson Peak? Saltburn or Crimson Peak? If the... you Crimson Peak and Saltburn. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I have seen Saltburn, haven't seen Crimson Peak yet. I think you'll enjoy that. Okay. Do you have <laughs> any last thoughts on The Wilds and Yellow Jackets? Um, <clears throat> I love that so much of the depth of female friendship that's shown in both of these stories is centered in betrayal. Like after somebody betrayed somebody else, but somebody kind of lets go of that betrayal in order to make sure that the other person's okay. I super dug that. So I think that's something that's interesting that's marked in female friendships quite a bit. Okay. I like that. Um, I think one thing I did love about the wilds is just like the drama. It the was drama. so much. Oh nonstop. That's really what got me through to season two. Cause I was like, if the girls are better, I have to see how much worse the guys were. And they were so much worse. And it was really just oh, like, sure. I was just watching and I was like, I can't believe she's, be she's getting away with this. Like this many kids are fun missing. They're just like gone for a couple days and, and the parents are like, oh, they're at a summit. They're at a conference. It's like, what happens when your daughter comes back and she's missing a hand? What then? I just felt like Shelby's parents didn't call. Leah's parents didn't call. Like Rachel and Nora's parents Aren't did not concerned? call. I really have a question for these parents. Why are you volunteering your children to go out into the wilderness to be on their own? And you don't get any kind of like status update. You don't get any email. I feel like only Fatten's parents would be able to get any progress on what's happening with her daughter because they're the richest. You know? Right. But I feel like there has to be some kind of communication with the parents to ensure that their kids are alive. Well, if it's if it's BS, I kind of even understand, like, if they showed them manufacturing. But I felt like they did nothing outside of flashbacks. I don't feel like they did any kind of real development of how they were maintaining this and how nobody has any questions. Mm -hmm. Nobody. So after these children come back sunburnt, maimed, um, one's missing an arm. Uh, the other, at least she was the adult, is dead. What are we going to say? Mm. What are we going to say here? The camp counselors got a little lazy? I mean... Because one thing for sure, you send your kids to the YMCA summer camp for a week. They all come back in one piece. Yeah! I mean, and it's just... I don't know. Like, there are just too many things that I was like, how are they going to, how are they going to work this to make this okay? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they worked this and made this okay by saying, oh, they were on their way to the summit and they crashed and it was so horrible, but we found them. I still feel like there would have had to be some kind of notice to these parents, even after you dropped them off. Like, why didn't y'all call beforehand? So when I was watching the show, when I was like rewatching The Wilds, it reminds me of this real show that's on Netflix. Um, I don't remember the name exactly, but it's so interesting how the show is posited. Basically, 
there's a show on Netflix and they reached out to influencers that are really into like skincare and like they're basically like foodie influencers that like have really nice things and they reach out to them and they're like hey do you want to come on this very luxurious all-inclusive retreat it's going to be a reality show almost like big brother but you'll get pampered you'll get massages all this stuff blah 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 and all these influencers said yes and there's one influencer she said no because there are some things in the messages that they were sending to her that didn't make any sense so she said no to being on the show and then the show premiered on netflix and instead of it being like an all-inclusive retreat of being pampered all these influencers that are seen as like comfortable, lazy millennial influencers who don't have a real job, they are forced to live out in the wilderness like a survivor. Like they all have these really nice expensive things or expensive skincare, they're really nice clothes, and they all are forced to live outside and have to fend for themselves like they're bear girls. And that's when I was watching The Wallace, this is what it made me think of. I feel like the girls were told it's a summit, it's a female empowerment summit. The parents are told, your kids think they're going to a summit. We're taking them to a campsite and they're going to go outside and they're going to, you know, camp on the beach. What really happened is that we're flying these kids, girls to Hawaii. We simulated a plane crash to cause them extreme trauma and we make them think they're abandoned on an island. And the parents don't know that part. They don't know about the simulated plane crash. All they know is that they think their kids are just going to live on a beach in Hawaii and just have to camp. But for how long? The summer? I don't know. However long she thought the experiment was going to go on. So I think she probably told the parents like, oh, maybe like a month and a half, you know, and then to make up for that time, she holds them <laughs> in the jail and she's like, hey, I'm tripping out because yeah. it's like, yeah, my baby, my, my daughter lost an arm. What's the explanation I'm here? I'm pretty sure is they made a, them sign a waiver. I'm pretty sure there's. But a... what did you say to them? What did you say to the parent after they lost the arm? Like it's been two weeks. This is healed, and you're giving me back my my adolescent daughter with no hand, and you didn't call me or tell me anything happened. I can obviously see this is healed. Why was I not made aware of this? Why is my Why does my daughter have a nub? What's that? She used to be a diver. Why does my athletic daughter have a nub? How? What is she supposed to do for college now? I'm glad that she's eaten. But she ain't we, got no hand. So the thing and that did she nobody loved, call me. The thing she loved the most to do, the thing she worked so hard to do, the thing that she struggled to do, that she wanted to do in college, she can't do now. So what now? What am I supposed to do? And here's my thing. Here's my thing. Here's mm -hmm. my thing. If, okay, y'all gonna make them camp, whatever, blah, 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 cool. I feel like it would have even been more powerful if there was some kind of something. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was a cave on hand. They went into the cave. They were in the cave, not even at night. We didn't even see the night in the cave. We, we don't even out. really know what she told the parents was going to happen to the kids. Like, the parents probably don't even know that there isn't an adult on the... Well, um, there was. There was. But she... did nobody call and say that she had expired? Not expired. <laughs> don't say expired. Also, I feel like Jeanette... Like, even though she said, like, oh, I don't have anyone in my life. Girl, I feel like you got somebody. I feel like somebody's going to start looking for Jeanette. I don't think so. 
But um, but because I, I that's that's not it's not shocking to me. Mm. What was shocking to me is that nobody came looking for Nora and Lee and and Rachel and Leah. Like those three, I was just kind of like, I don't get it. I understand Dot. I understand Shelby. I understand Tony. I understand Martha. You didn't really have to do no talking to the people that they are connected to, right? Mm-hmm. But like the other three. Well, I think that why was Leah being sent? Did they find out that she was messing with the author, the teacher? I yeah, un- I think that's yeah. what happened. Either they found out that she's messing around with the teacher, or they're just like, "Our daughter has an attitude. Let's send her to this camp." You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I just felt like for everything that happened, there wasn't enough stakes of like, like the doctor kept saying, "Oh my God, we're I don't want to get sued," but it was like. Sure, cause you're not even trying. You're not trying, sis. You're not trying yeah. to at least turn a corner. You know. He kept saying that he doesn't want to get in trouble, but you're going along with everything she's saying. The black guy was the only person who was really like, "See, we need to examine the purpose of this experiment here." You know. Correct. Yeah. Well, those are my final thoughts. I promise. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, Yellow Jackets. I feel like there's a longevity the story i think that it's gonna go for a while and i think that's really good just for the purpose of understanding what was going on with the young girls because i feel like we're just starting to see them kind of give in to their animalistic instincts so to speak Mm -hmm. and what happened in the past still needs to be explained it is there's still a lot to explore and i think what's unfolding in the present is very it's gonna be very interesting to see how they resolve what happened in season two because a lot did happen in that season finale and I think season three will pose a lot of interesting questions and I'm not sure if um the daughter will join the troop but I do think that she's going to try and like learn more about their experience possibly and I think that the daughter is going to be a key component because all the yellow jackets who are there in the woods, what they experienced, what they felt would happen, it's very real to them. But it was also 25 years ago. Like, mm-hmm. I'm 26. I can't tell you what happened to me when I was four years old. So by the time I'm like 45, I'm not going to be able to tell you what was going on really in my life when I was 26. So it could be up to the daughter to try and learn a little bit more about like that area of the woods and if maybe they were like Native Americans that used to live there and the settlers came and killed them and so they stumbled upon mm-hmm. like a Native American like burial you know like ground or something yeah and there are some spirits that were there that they started interacting with in the woods like it's possible that what happened or it's possible that there is something else going on and the daughter becomes the key to either like solidifying the belief that they're um, interacting with something beyond the veil or all these women need to talk to somebody and get a pers- I think pers- all of yeah I think the latter either yeah. way but yeah for also, sure also whatever is going on with Lottie's um, little commune I feel like that's about Not to but if I could be any of those girls I would be Lottie I would love to have oh my god living off the grid and having a commune it wouldn't be a cult 
necessarily because it would it would work like Lotties. Y'all know why y'all here. I ain't hiding nothing from y'all. Y'all here because y'all want to. Everybody wear purple and we got bees. Like that was my whole thing. I was like, oh my God. I could be the leader of this. Like I would live for this. I don't know if I would join one, but I could totally arrange a commune. I feel like if I were to be any one of them, I would be one of the girls who survived and left town. Okay. A lot of them girls left town. They went searching for Van. Poor Van. She's... I'm not living that long to to man. Don't get me started. Poor Van. I yep. have so many feelings about that character. I feel like she just got the just the brunt end of the spirit stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Van is probably gonna be in season three a lot more. And to that, I want to say sorry to Tage's wife. Sorry, girl. I'm so sorry. You don't deserve this. I'm going to say this right now because if I walked into a hidden room in my house and I saw that on the altar, I too would take my son. And go, the dog went missing and the head has been down here the whole time. And I think you know Hmm. that it's down here. Get my baby. Don't ever speak to me again. You know what? You're lucky I'm not calling someone. You know what? Have fun with your white woman. I'm gone. I'm out. Have a good time. Yeah. Don't call us. Yeah. 100%. Talk through the courts. Not to me. <laughs> Do I right? don't want it. Okay. Well, guys, that was our analysis and review on Yellow Jackets and the Wilds. Two really awesome shows that, honestly, I suggest you guys check out. They're both really good. Even though we had our criticisms behind them, they're both very solid shows that show very interesting um, dynamics between female relationships and I think that that isn't really explored sincerely a lot of times in media and I like Yellow Jackets the most because I feel like it does the best job of showing that like women are not just catty we don't just fight but we really do come together as a collective as you've said to work together and community with one another like you literally had a man there who was supposed to help you out, and he ain't doing nothing. Nothing at He's all. Not. No. He don't even have good advice. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Girl. So we can move into the last segment of the podcast, which is recommendations. So if there's anything that you've watched recently or anything you've seen that you'd like to recommend to the viewers, you know, you can feel free to do so. Uh, me personally, I have been re-watching this show called Elementary. Um, do you know, have you heard of it? No. Okay. So it's basically the American retelling of the Sherlock Holmes story. And (gasps) when the show first came out, a lot of people knew Sherlock Holmes for like the Robert Downey Jr. movies or the BBC show with, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. And I also knew the BBC, the BBC show as well. Like I watched that show, but I just have to say elementary is far superior to the BBC show. (laughs) Because first of all, I watched the BBC show first and I thought like, oh, this is one of the best shows on television. They don't make TV better than this. <laughs> they don't make TV They don't make it like this. But let me tell you something. <laughs> there are so many things wrong with that show. First of all, mm. there are three episodes each season. Each episode is an hour and a half long. And every season comes out every one and a half or two oh, years. No. So What? Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. a limited series. Every it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a limited series with seasons. One of the weirdest limited series I've ever watched. I like that though. And like one thing about it is that the show is well written and it is very interesting. I feel like 
the first three seasons are pretty solid. But even within the first three seasons, there are problems. Because one, one big problem I had in the first couple seasons was that there's this character called Irene Adler. Mm-hmm. And in the show, she's a lesbian. Okay. And she's like the one woman that Sherlock can't understand. The one person that Sherlock can't deduce. You know what I mean? And at the end of her episode, he's trying to unlock her phone. And he, un- the password is basically S-H-E-R. To mean that she has been Sherlocked. Which means this woman, who is a lesbian, there is one man that has swayed her. That has charmed her. And it is Sherlock Benedict Cumberbatch. Holmes and I want Benard- to- Benedict Cumberbatch. Sorry. I apologize. I want y'all to try and I want you to try a little bit harder to convince me that Benedict Cumberbatch is attractive, because they tried all throughout my adolescence and I was not duped. All right, I wasn't. I you you can get me. This man looks like a Neanderthal. It's that eyebrow. All right, it's that eyebrow. It's the face. It's you everything. already know. After I found that TikTok post that said people with Neanderthal traits make you uncomfortable because yeah. Neanderthals were cannibals and you're worried for your life, I was like, oh, I don't feel bad anymore. Also, the Sherlock, I understand that Sherlock has a character, someone who's like very smart and thinks that he's better than everyone else. He is so unlikable as a character. <laughs> and in season three what? of Sherlock BBC, he dies. Like he dies at the end. But it's, of course, because it's a season four. Everyone's like, okay, so he's alive. And all the fans are trying to deduce, how did he survive the fall? How did he live? Because he literally falls off a building. Like, we see him do it. So it's like, how did this man survive, right? And in episode one of season four, there is a whole sequence in Sherlock's mind of like him being like, how do I train my heart to stop when I hit the ground and then start again so that while I'm on the ground and I've fallen, I can revive myself by my own brain power, right? Well, what do you mean? But your brain is crushed. Listen, You've fallen off of a building. Girl. <laughs> Listen. Look. I love, I, I just suspect Steve, that. Just Stephen Moffat thinks he's a genius. Stephen Moffat thinks he's he a genius. He knows it. And literally, <laughs> there's a sequence where we're in his mind palace or whatever and there are these people in his mind palace that are basically like, so how does Sherlock Holmes survive the fall? Because Sherlock Holmes is this famous detective in Britain. He's very famous. And essentially, the people in the mind palace that are trying to figure out how Sherlock Holmes survived his fall and like faked his death are meant to be the fans of the show. Where essentially the show is like making fun of the fans and being like, Oh, you guys are trying to figure out how he survived? Why don't you just watch the show? You were trying to watch a detective show and you're trying to figure out how things works? Yes. We're trying to figure out the clues. That's why we're, we're watching We're trying it. to theorize. Hello? That's what your fans do. That's what fans do with every show. Yeah, and, not to mention Sherlock Holmes. It's mystery. I want to yes. solve it before him. And one of the worst things they ever did, first of all, John in the show, John Watson, he has a wife. Her name's Mary. Um, Mary's a normal person, Right. Mary's married to John. She has a baby. It's whatever. It's revealed in the show that Mary is a spy and she only married John to be close to Sherlock. And at the end of season four, I believe she leaves John a letter saying that, John, I'm so sorry. And there's only one thing I want you to do. There's only thing I wish for your life. It is for you to solve mysteries with Sherlock Holmes for the rest of your life. I'm sitting here. I'm like, and not take care of his son. And not take care of his child. 
reality suspended. Y'all need to we run that back. We don't need the reality. I actually we don't need it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't need it. You can't do that. So that's why I have a problem with BBC Sherlock. And then elementary, that Sherlock, first of all, he is narcissistic. He is self-absorbed. He is someone who can't get along with other people. He's very selfish and he's like really annoying. And John Watson is said Joan Watson, played by Lucy Liu. And she is so good in this show. Because first of all, Lucy Liu is a great actress. And also she's gorgeous. Yeah, can't miss. She's gorgeous. And also she was a huge Literally reason why it. everyone watched Elementary. Yet she was underpaid for majority of the seasons she was on the show. Yeah, they fixed that quickly because people had a problem. Because we don't know who this man is who's playing Sherlock. We don't know who Never he is. Never heard of this man. No. You know, know who. Lucy. Yes. Yeah, okay, Miss Charlie's too. Angels, all right? Yeah. But essentially in elementary, I'm, I've am i gotten to season two. I've already watched the show like through all seven seasons. But I've gotten to season two. And even in the two seasons and each season has like 24 episodes because it's a show that was on cbs so procedurals have like really long seasons sherlock has developed also sherlock in this show was a heroin addict which makes sense because a lot of people who are very smart and have high functioning personalities do tend to like rely on drugs or stay far away from them it's one or the other they're either a straight edge or they kind of dabble in it and if something goes wrong or something happens they can grow a dependency on controlled substances and Sherlock is basically a recovering heroin addict and John Watson is his sober companion. So while he's solving crimes for the NYPD as a consulting detective, she's working alongside with him to help him stay sober. And eventually she decides to become a consulting detective alongside with him. So he's teaching her how to deduce, how to look at things more clearly, how to see things that other people can't see. And she's teaching him how to be more open with people, how to get in touch with your feelings, how to talk to people, and how to understand that it's not a bad thing to be vulnerable. It's not a bad thing to have friends. And you shouldn't lock yourself away from the world, but it's good to be open to different experiences and have different people in your life and be close to them because people want to care about you. People want to take care of you. And you can't always take things into your own hands. You have to be able to rely on those that love you and care about you. And I feel like this show does a better job of humanizing the character of Sherlock Holmes, making him an actual person rather than some like fast talking like detective who's very, yeah, who's kind of narcissistic and not something you can really relate to, but they really ground his character. And Joan Watson does a really great job of that as well. And you can see his growth throughout the season. And of course, because the show is a procedural, every single episode has a case that's like, absolutely insane like there's one episode where a woman went missing and they think that the husband killed her right and then one day they figure out they find one day the the guy goes home right in 2011 his wife went missing and they think that he killed her and he's like acquitted it's not him you know he didn't do it 2014 he comes home he gets a package he opens it up it's his wife's ear in the package and he's like what the heck is this you try to figure it out and what we figure out soon enough is that the his wife did leave his wife just left him right and she got plastic surgery she changed her face and she let people think that she was murdered but she wanted to set him up for her murder that way she could get money i forget why i think it was because somebody like figured out that she was a woman that went missing and she was trying to get them in her plot because she was trying to get a big sum of money. So she had her plastic surgeon husband grow ears in her back and then cut the ears out and then send to the husband. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's I'm the, not playing with you, listen. Monica. I'm not playing with you. That's not the craziest not thing. That's, that's not the craziest thing that's happened on the show. That is crazy. It is crazy. But let me tell you something. There are crazier things that have happened. I ne- love that though. Listen, network television um, is wild. Have you seen Nine One One? That yes. show. Yes. Yeah. Love that show. You know the one where about. the best friends go on. Um, they all go on a convention, and one of them is like stuck under like all of this debris. Like two of the friends are stuck, and they have been bickering all day. And another one is stuck, and they're trying to figure out. They only have one like jaw of life, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out which one they're gonna free. And the guy. Um, basically tells them like save my friends don't worry about me like I'm I'm fine I'm okay and, like talks them through it but ends up passed away it was really sad but it's um, love that show uh, a show I would highly recommend is on Prime Video funny enough it's Will of Time I think it is so well done it is probably one of the best fantasy series that I've ever seen in my life like not even oh. so far or anything like fantasy series period because the level of detail that they put in not only to the plot to the characters and how the story develops but even down to like the costume design the costumes of the different acai who are essentially magical users mm-hmm. the different characters the different acai wear colors based on what type of magic they do and uh, the life path that they've dedicated their life to. But if you pay attention, each outfit design is based on the culture of that particular uh, um, Aes Sedai. So like one of them is Indian. So um, her, all of her outfits look like saris and traditional outfits. Mm -hmm. There's another one that's Irish. So hers looks like, you know, like brave outfits, like the level of detail and there literally there are no lines there are no color lines there are no like uh gender lines there are no sexuality lines men are in love with women men in love with men like and there's no like oh but you're straight why are you talking to this man it's like no there is none of that you love who you love it is what it is it is so interesting, but it has the same level of action and like intrigue as Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but without you having to wait four seasons for it to get good. Like it's good as soon as it starts. Um, another fantasy one, just because that's my genre, mm-hmm. is on Apple TV. It's called C. Okay. Uh, such a good one. All of the world loses its sight after like a large contagion kills a third of the population. And the setting is based like in this post-apocalyptic um, society that everybody's blind and sight and like blindness is connected to religion. So if you're able to see you're burned as a witch and a heretic because sight is like awful. Like it's the worst thing ever. When I tell you, you're not ready for how it, how it develops because there are sighted people in the world. And um, these like witch hunters come looking for the sighted children of like a really small like river society and end up leveling the village to look for these children that have already been taken. And when I tell you it's so good, Alfre Woodard's in it, Jason Momoa's delicious self is in it um the cousin from saltburn i was like why do i know this man i was like that's kofu archie he's archie is all up in that he is one of the main characters now he is not archie i'll tell you right there he is not archie in that he is very like ugh, 
Gangly? He's very wet toast. He's very yeah. what? Wet toast. Like you want it to be crunchy, but you bite into it and you're like, all right, you don't have to explain it. I I, I understood. <laughs> I understood. I I needed you. You're gonna use that now. Aren't you? <laughs> I don't feel like I but am. Yeah. That's actually really gross. <laughs> That's actually nasty. <laughs> but yeah, um, see and um movies, theater camp, and we saw oh we said gosh, this one I before. Love theater camp. Oh I've watched God. it so many times. I need Theater Camp um, to win something at Film Independent because if it doesn't, I'm gonna riot. Like that's the please? one. That's actually, in my opinion, Ben Platt's best role because he is so much himself in that role. Like Molly like, Gordon hit it on the head. Molly I got felt it. like it just bloomed. Everybody yeah. got to show all of their talent. Like yeah. everybody's character was full. Like when I know the characters' names. That's when I know y'all did y'all big one. These yeah. are my friends. Um, Joyride and um, just for that cocaine scene, honestly. Joyride just- was so fun. <laughs> that? Yeah. So good. Yeah. And um, Quiz Show. Quiz Show? Quiz Lady. I think it's Quiz. It's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. I think it is Quiz Show. It's the one is with it- um, Sandra O oh and Alcafina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Quiz. I do want to say I'm not the biggest Aquafina fan. When I was watching the trailer, I was like, Ramona Young could have done this. Why didn't y'all call my girl? Fair enough. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. Um, She was not Aquafina in this. And yeah. I think that's why I was so impressed with this particular role. Anytime Aquafina actually acts, that's when I'm like, okay. All she right. was acting. Also, she acted down. The Farewell, I feel like is so good. How do not? It's on Netflix. I will admit it is sad, but it's a very good movie. It's sad. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. You might. I'm gonna cry. You might. I'm in one of those. I also watched it on Thanksgiving, so that really hit me in my feels, because I was like watching with my mom, and I was like, oh, this is a family movie. It's (sighs) It's not like a family movie like Paddington, but it's like a family movie. Like, Paddington was a bit much. Paddington? Paddington was a bit much. I watched Paddington, Paddington and I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember that movie. Everybody loves that movie, and I'm kind of like, I, I mean, I guess I really don't remember anything that happened in that movie. It's probably because trauma made you suppress it. It's to me, it's like Marley and me. Like, why trauma am I made me suppress it? Yeah, why is that movie so emotional? I don't like it. It's a little cute bear in in a in a. Everybody talks about that movie journey. like it's wholesome. But it is. It's wholesome. Just like Marley and Me is wholesome. But at the end, you're just like... I don't remember beautiful. Marley and Me, if I'm being honest. I've seen that movie. Once again, it's because of the trauma. <laughs> it's mean... a beautiful film the entire way through. And then at the end, you're like, oh my god, I'm... I can't breathe. I'm crying so hard. Listen, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> don't watch it again. Thank you. It's okay. too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can the people find you? 
Um, you can find me on my various socials. I have an entertainment review socials, which is whimsically grown, all one word. And I have my home and lifestyle um, and garden page, um, which is called Cozy Chic Culture. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'm not really on Twitter, so don't look for me there. I, there's a page there, but I don't use it. I'm, I'm trying to get back. But I'm mm. also on Lemonade, uh, Lemonade, which is a TikTok uh, app. It's actually like... Uh, TikTok's version of Instagram. It is a super, super fun app. So if you're a person oh. that loves like hobbies, like you're a cozy girl like me, like you love to read, travel, um, cook, things like that. It's definitely like a very, very like cool, fun thing where you don't feel like, oh, my post has to be perfect. It's yeah. like, no, nah, it's like community building. So I'm there okay. too as whimsically grown. Oh, okay. I think I've heard of Lemonade before, but I really didn't know what it was. I just heard it as like an alternative social media app. But now that you've described it that way, I'm probably going to check it out. You should. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Like, even even the way the the timeline is set up, it's like way more conducive to like, ooh, everything isn't getting thrown at me. I'm just like, ooh, what's this? Ooh, mm -hmm. what's this? Like, it's nice. Okay. I'll sign up for it. I'll sign up for it. Guys, Alma's links will be in the description down below. And thank you so much for coming on. It was so much fun to have you. This is such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Invite me back anytime. Yes. I'm <laughs> okay. Girl, you're funny. Please. All right, guys, don't forget. Tell all your friends about your favorite new podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. And don't forget to check us out on all our socials, on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find ours. And we will see you guys next week with a new guest, new topic, new week. And you guys have an amazing day. Bye.